Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you gotta check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time, arrival insurance program we got you covered visit the reptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals click on the link to the marketplace find that perfect pet or breeder then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the united states we are your one-stop shop for everything reptile related Episode of Morelia Python Radio. Tonight we are stepping outside of the world of Morelia and into the short tail world. Uh, we're going to be the world that Matt Minotola. 
<laughs> We're going to be joined by Matt in a few minutes. Matt Minitola from Philly Herp, a.k.a. the Borneo King. Uh, we're going to be talking about Borneo short tail pythons. Um, when did he become known as that? Talk- the Borneo King? Dude, yeah, come on. Look at his collection. Hey, oh, hey, hey, oh, I'm not knocking the kid. I just wanted to know when the hell did that happen. Uh, well, that's what I've nominated him because if you've seen some of the stuff that uh, Matt is work- working with, uh, you will be blown away. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be clicking on in a couple minutes. Um, we, uh, we, me and Zach headed over to, uh, uh, to his house uh, the other day to do, uh, some sexing of, uh, some baby Borneos and, uh, it was, uh, quite the experience. Uh, got bit, peed on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was even before you got into the snake room. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to get back to do some more. So it was uh, it's pretty cool. It's one of those things where if you don't have experience or, uh, you know, uh, we always talk about how the, the holding, like trying to handle my blood was so different than handling my carpet pythons just because the way she moves. Um, yeah. Also, if you're not experienced in just, like you have no idea what's really going on with blood or the colors and the morphs. Just checking Matt stuff out. He's going to blow you out of the freaking water. Um, he posts up pictures of clutches he hatched. Uh, there were two this year that I was like, that, that it's not possible for those patterns and colors to be on an animal. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> they're pretty sick, so, man. Yeah. They're not I already put that. I, I I already put a name on a, one of his boxes. I knew, it, I knew uh, it. You probably went down there with a damn post-it note like this one's mine and this one's mine and yeah. that one's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt's going to want some carpets and I'm going to want some short tails. So it works out well that way. But, uh, <laughs> you and your, you, you were on this kick recently where you're like, I'm just going to trade carpet python. And I am definitely yeah. falling victim to such. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I always had this. I always had this plan that I would just get these high-end carpet pythons, and then I would breed them, and then yeah. I could just trade them for snakes that you know are like rare, and <laughs> yeah, just trade them. So, you know, I haven't made a dime, but uh, I sure do have some nice snakes. So. That, yeah, that, that yeah, that is true. <laughs> Yeah, that That's is true, and, and well. you and you did and you did the thing again yesterday where you're like, I'll trade you this, and I'm like, That's some mud. I don't really want that. And you're like, you sure? And I'm like, Yeah. And then today I'm like, I might want that. And so it's like you know, <laughs> goddamn into my head. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just I'm have to plant the seed, plant yeah. the seed, <laughs> let it grow, and then run away, and seed. let it grow, and then oh, let it'll it come back to you. <laughs> plant the seed. <laughs> Let it grow. <laughs> That's all you got to do. It's, oh, it's like at Tim, it's like Tinley. I was, it's, it's like I was, at Tinley, I was next to Howard, and he goes, those diamonds look awesome. I'm like, yeah, he goes, you could probably buy diamonds. I'm like, nah. And then later, I'm walking around, he goes, buy diamonds? Yeah, no, I could buy diamonds. I like diamonds. I should get diamonds. <laughs> and I get diamonds? I don't get diamonds. I mean, like, you know, just, all I have to do is, like, mention it once or twice and then leave me alone, and it usually festers in my head. So Right. Anyway, yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about um, genetics and some of the morphs. Um, 
it's not as cut and dry as blood pythons. Um, the red bloods um, definitely are more of your uh, standard, you know, genetics, recessive, codom, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, where Borneos is, I don't know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Matt will be better to explain it but if you if if you breed one crazy thing to another crazy thing you get a whole bunch of real crazy things and uh, that's kind of the fun I think uh, of working with that species um, so and they have some killer striped stuff so it's pretty cool um, mm -hmm. there was something that had caught yep. my eye mm -hmm. in the news uh, oh, of the news the section going yes of the goings-on of the week, and it probably was Mr. Mike Curtin's Ocelot Jag. I should have never let uh, those things leave my house. I mean, Jesus Christ. Good the, Lord. Gee, oh, my God. And, you know, there's, there's um, a, a project who built it up from, like, a weird thing that he got and just kept going and going and going to it. He's at this point where you have high-expression Ocelot Jags. You have non Jagged ocelots, which the hell are those things? I mean, they look gorgeous too. So yeah, whole clutch looks amazing. Again, should have never let it leave the house. Yeah, I would have made a deal for that one, Owen. <laughs> well, yes, take my house and give me those. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I have to give you, but uh... <laughs> we'll work yeah. it out. Just don't let. Yeah. But they are. That, that one is a phenomenal-looking animal. I love the stripe down the back. It's kind of like a zigzaggy stripe. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the colors and the – oh, man. I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, if you uh, – it just shows me the potential of carpet python uh, morphs mm -hmm. and uh, what the future will hold for some of the crazy, crazy things that uh, will be in the future. So – so, yeah, I thought that was probably one of the coolest things. Uh, I saw our good friend, uh, Mr. Paul Harris from UK Pythons, hatched out mm -hmm. some, some cool things. He had an albino caramel zebra. Just putting it out there, Owen. Plant the seed and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> he also... <laughs> Why would you see it? <laughs> uh, he also uh, hatched out a an exanic granite jag, which is... Freaking crazy, crazy looking carpet python for sure. Um, you can check that out on uh, UK pythons, which is, is pretty cool. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? Uh, I don't know. What's new with you? Uh, I got egg hatching. I saw that. Uh, yeah, um, it is a caramel tiger jag clutch. It's my caramel jag from Carrie and Todd over at Psychotic Exotics. Uh, okay. to a high-contrast Queensland tiger I got from Mo at Howard. Okay. They did a joint pairing of her high-con tiger to uh, – I'm sorry, her tiger to a high-con female. So that's why I got her. So uh, – and Pixie's – Babies in the past have been bright orange and red and yellow, depending on, you know, who this to which father sired what. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to these guys because I want to see what kind of like the caramel he does with a different color background. So 
So, hmm, that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, is uh, this I'm the, also kind of hoping for some good. I was going to say, is this the tiger from Mo that for a while this was? Well, this was way back in the day that everybody yeah. thought was maybe Jag. They're related. Ran, uh, okay. That one, same clutch. that one, yeah, that one and Pixie are related. I believe they have the same father. Um, but I got gotcha. you. No. Yeah, um, but okay. he is the one that produced the tiger that Lon has, that Matt has, that I kept one back from this year. Um, and then, of course, the the Carmel Jag is the one that produced all my supers from last year. So okay. Cool. Yeah. I, nobody's out yet. Everybody just poked their heads and ran back away. So, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of. I, I got then, a question. And then my egg hatching season's over. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Owen. No. I'll be sorry. wholesaling stuff to you. <laughs> You're right. Now shut up. <laughs> just take the lot. Yeah. Oh. Give me your water no. pythons. Take this whole lot. No, I like my water. <laughs> take my psychotic savoos. They're crazy pieces of shit. Uh, oh, there you right. go. No. Take this whole not lot. happening. <laughs> no. Maybe the Tana Bars. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah. it, it was just kind of this thing. Um, see, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of, I'm out of eggs. <laughs> Everybody's done. I, I uh, will say that um, if you... I know you didn't really post them up or anything, but at Carpet Fest we got a kind of a sneak peek at the uh, the Tiger Clutch that you had from this year. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it was what Red Tiger to Red Tiger Red Tiger to, to no, it was Red Tiger to oh you, oh the little guys uh, no that oh was, to Echo yeah that was that was uh, that was Red Tiger to Echo so Red uh, Tiger Jack but yeah. Um, yeah, they're all getting ready to have their first shed, so they will have their pictures up once we do that because they're all blue right now. But like, I love it because that clutch, I'm like, all right, we'll have some jags. I got one damn jag. I got one jag. <laughs> I got. <laughs> but I'll I tell you what, all, man. The, j- the tigers. tigers. <laughs> I got all tigers. <laughs> the tigers are nicer, though. You know? I know. They're, they're good-looking red tigers. They're dark red, too, which, yeah. in my experience, is going to be – they're going to be pretty tigers. But it's uh, – um, just kicking the pants and I'm like, oh, it's some Jag, son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. So I'm sitting here waiting for these guys to emerge. And I'm like, all right, I might have some caramel, caramel tigers, caramel Jags, caramel tiger Jags. I'm like, I'm really kind of hoping I don't just get a bunch and then like one caramel tiger Jag. Because <laughs> at that point I just quit. <laughs> so. <laughs> nah. Maybe yeah. the odds will be with you. Maybe they won't. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um. I guess uh, I'm gonna give a uh, give a shout out to somebody before we bring Matt on, but uh, Matthew Palmer uh, talked to him mm-hmm. for a while the other day on the show, or not on the show. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's new. He's he's a newbie. Um, he only has a couple things, but uh, he's super excited about uh, you know getting into the hobby. Uh, he's mm-hmm. out in South South Dakota which he really doesn't have anybody to talk snakes with. And, uh, you know, we had a pretty long conversation on the phone, but um, I don't know. It's kind of cool to be in a different spot to where now I'm not the new guy and I'm talking to people and, 
you know, trying to share knowledge that, uh, that I had, you know, and, and you know, it's funny, Owen, I'm going to say this. He, mm. he, he, he's another one that's scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. As, as well, um, they all should be. <laughs> poor, poor guy. He's just like, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of intimidating. <laughs> I was like, who, Owen? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, because then I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, like it's like I send, I send all the public relations stuff to Eric. Just leave me alone. So, yeah. No, Owen, no, Owen doesn't, doesn't do well around people that well. We keep him in a, keep him in a tub. He's in a yeah, we don't, we don't, he's not allowed we don't to come let out. him out into public. I mean, <laughs> you know, Eric was sweating bullets when he sent me alone to uh, Tinley. He thought I was going to come back having insulted everybody. So. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I have faith in you. Um, Thank you. But yeah. And, and, and I am open to discussions and emails and comments and such. Just Jesus Christ. I don't want everyone yeah, don't, all of a sudden don't, afraid of don't me. Be, yeah, don't be afraid of Owen. He's, he's not, he's, his bark is... <laughs> worse than his bite <laughs> just don't bother <laughs> me sometimes right. uh, yeah. you just have to catch him at the right time that's all exactly. and don't mention boas <laughs> <laughs> if that were true i'd punch matt mitchell in the face already uh, <laughs> very good <laughs> yeah let's get him on here let's get this going of course now i'll click on let's see there you go oh, hey matt you there yeah i'm here all right. I heard all right. All right. I heard. I heard I would get punched in the face because I went in love with Bowers. That's the only thing. Oh, I yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Good job. He's very violent. <laughs> when you mention Bowers, if, if you are, if if people are afraid of Owen, just bring Bowers to his table. He'll be really friendly <laughs> afterwards. It calms you down right away. Yeah. yeah. It calms you down a lot. Yeah. Notice how uh, he talks about his pythons. He said, oh, those things are evil. Oh, I hate those things. Evil, that son of a evil. bitch has to go. Oh, yeah. Not when you talk Boas all, to all him. All this bad mouth. All, all bad pythons. <laughs> but you just laugh with the Bellas because you think they're so cute. Pythons are they're horrible. horrible and... <laughs> <laughs> my Amazons bite and my Dominicans musk everywhere. They're both horrible types of creatures. So, <laughs> I don't know what the hell we're talking about here. Yeah. Very good. All right. So, <laughs> so we're going to talk uh, Borneo short tales. Um, I don't know how we want to do this as far as um, maybe maybe when you explain, uh, you know, the genetics of how things work, uh, maybe we'll just run down like the like the first question that pops in my mind that I think I've been asked a few times. What's the difference between a granite and a marble? <laughs> granite and marble um not much it's been, that's been coming up a lot it actually just i was just tagged in something someone asking what they have along with a few other people um it's tough you know uh i i thought it for a little while and lon actually just shined light on it where he produces the stuff that he was producing is, is granite and it's some of the nicest granite stuff i've seen uh Usually I'm, I'm more a follower of marbles. That's all I have. I've actually never worked many granites. I've never bought any granites. Um, but Lon was saying that he thinks possibly 
his granites, like they have really high sides. They're nice. I've actually had some marbles that I've compared with him. They look identical, but he says, you know, he thinks granites kind of bottom out where they just, they kind of, he's got them so high. He don't think they can go anywhere else where marbles will get, uh, it'll come up on the top a little bit. The, the, it'll come, the marbling will come up through the dorsal pattern and uh, it'll break, it'll break through the pattern some and, they just get really weird colors where it's just it's going to be hard to talk about the genetics and just not kind of sound weirder like you drone on. I, I, I'm not really sure, but um, it, it's just tough. If, if you bring two snakes together, you can kind of not say, and you, you can't tell depending on how they look. Um, like, the, like I said, the post I was tagged in, the person said it was sold to them as a marble, but they're not sure. And it looks like a marble. And I said, if it was sold to you that way, I would guess I would call it that. Um, where granites, it's been said before, granites are kind of a, a random occurrence. And um, genetic stripe lines and ultra bright lines have been known to just out of nowhere spit out a granite or a marble looking Borneo. And some people are on the belief that that's what a granite is when it kind of just randomly occurs. And it doesn't quite look like a marble, they'll be speckling. And it doesn't come up quite as high. And then uh, thing, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, straight genes and ultra brights. And I, I know I'm jumping all over the place. I'll retouch everything because I'm, <laughs> I'm jumping through all the mutations. <laughs> no, that's okay, cool. Can you hear me? I didn't know. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, didn't know yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. I was no, like, oh, tell me I'm dropped off and I'm still talking. Oh, okay. No, no, but, that happens a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. We don't like to interrupt the guest on this show. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. <laughs> we usually, we usually <laughs> let you guys roll until you take a breath. And then we well, I'm, right, I'm, yeah, I'm right. picking up what Eric's putting down right now. But, uh, there you <laughs> go. Um, like, like some other shows we've heard. Um, but anyway, uh, the – I think when it randomly occurs out of the ultra gene, it is because of the stripes, because there's so much striping in ultra genes nowadays. So, and there used to be a thing where granites were known as recessive and marbles were kind of known as a dominant, but that's mm-hmm. all out the window. There, there's no possible way that that exists. I don't know about with granites as much, but I got all my marbles from the same guy, even ones I didn't buy off the breeder. I got indirectly right. and they were his from Mike Costacos. And he was one of, he worked with some of the original line marbles along with uh, Keith McPeak, who he's another one that originated the marble. Um, mine have always worked as if I breed a marble to anything, I get marbles. Even if I, when I was breeding them to normals a long while ago, I would still get more than 50% marbles. And even the ones that weren't like, you could tell our marble had some of it coming up. It was like a really like low level, marble once you get on another mm-hmm. genetic um so and then when i would breed a marble to a marble i would get all marbles and it would be more extreme and people used to go oh that's a super marble but i'd say there, there's no super marble uh, it just it just works on different almost all borneo genetics work on different levels there's like low levels high levels uh tracy barker kind of refers to stuff as like level one through five sometimes of, of things and Kind of a, so a, a reason I think people walk away from Borneos because the genetics are so misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I've been talking for maybe five minutes, and I sound like a nut job already. But um, <laughs> it, I don't think it's something to get intimidated <laughs> by because you don't you don't really need to know everything. It just you do got to pay a little bit of attention and just talk to 
readers that have been working with them for a while and they can kind of steer you in the right direction. But uh, yeah, so it's, and, and like I was saying with Marvels, mine always worked as sort of a dominant trait. But then again, I've heard of people buying some of mine and buying some of Mike's line and they would read it to a normal or let's say a stripe and they didn't get any marbles. <laughs> so mm-hmm. but I would right. hear they would read that offspring again and they would get marbles so it worked kind of as a hex. So it's, it's really uh, just, I mean, that's one of the oldest genetics and we don't even have that figured out. It's just, I don't think there is going to be any figuring it out. It's just, it's, it's insane. <laughs> So do you think it's more along the lines of like uh, like a polymorphic type of thing? Um, I, you know, well, I was reading. I, I wouldn't say polymorphic. I was reading like mm-hmm. polygenic and possibly it runs into a lot of like allele stuff. And uh, being in the chondros nail, I still have no idea how their genetics work, but they do see. I remember when you when I was saying I want to get into chondros and you were learning about the Borneo genetics, Eric, and you were saying mm-hmm. their genetics kind of follow each other. And I still don't know how theirs works. But I'm um, in for the ride. It seems fun. And I can't really say they work exactly the same. <laughs> but yeah. they, are a, they are a mystery. But just what you said in the beginning of the show, I've been saying the same saying, read crazy stuff to crazy stuff, and then you get more intense crazy stuff and, and so on and so forth. It's not the best saying, but it, it's worked. <laughs> and when people breed stuff with genetics in it, they understand that it's where it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. So is it still like, say you, I mean, is it along the lines of you just buy animals you like and then you try to breed them together and people are still surprised at things that hatch out? Is I mean, is that kind of yeah, fair yeah, to say? People, yeah, I see. I see by, <sighs> though, though I, I, I bred this genetic stripe to this uh, other genetic stripe and I ended up with ultra brights. <laughs> it's just like it's, it's no rhyme or reason now now most likely ultra brights have been around a while and they've mm-hmm. been very they've been produced a ton and they kind of work i guess you could call it sort of like a hat the stuff that doesn't show any signs of being an ultra bright can carry the genes and i think just so much of it been tossed around as normals or just once they get into a wholesaler's hands it's it's all out the window and throughout the last couple of years, a lot of ultra brights have been through wholesalers hands and it's, I'm sure it's all been reversed. You know, every, like I say, I was going to talk about that tonight. So every day I get on, you know, Facebook and I'll see on the group, check out my super stripe, check out my ultra bright. And it's, it's not, it's not a super stripe. It's not an ultra bright, not bad. I just think it's, it's usually newer people and they probably bought it from a show and like I said, the information just kind of goes out the door once it falls into a wholesaler. You know, they just they don't care. Even if you give them the proper information, I, I don't think they're labeling them right or they don't care to learn anything about it. Yeah. Right. Well, what is it? Uh, let's talk about uh, Super Stripe. What does it have to have a certain amount of striping, solid striping? Does it have to have I, side I, striping? I, I, I lost- I lost it for I lost it for a second. Can you say it again? Yeah, yeah, you you bugged out there for a minute. I don't know what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what I was saying is is that what designates a super stripe? Is it just the solid striping? Is it the amount of striping? You have to have side yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, once again, it's like if you ask ten breeders that breed Borneos, I think you're going to get possibly 10 different answers it's almost Jesus. like a breeder's inter- it's almost like <laughs> a breeder's interpretation 
But I mean, I've talked to many who are on the same page as me, but um, what, what, what I would call a super stripe is stuff that has uh, almost perfectly clean sides and the tri-striping, the, the, the dorsal stripe with the two stripes that follow it down. Now, it's not even so much a, important to have the dorsal stripe. It can be dotted, half striped. It's important to have the two stripes that run along and the clean sides, if you ask me. That, that's what kind of makes a super stripe. So, like I said, it gets confusing because then there's genetic stripes that have a full stripe neck all the way down the tail, no breaks in it. But the sides are busy and the other two stripes that run along it are kind of broke up or stopped for a while. And I would consider that a genetic stripe. That's that's the way I kind of look at them. Is is it kind of like with tiger carpets where you kind of almost trace back the super stripes to like one animal or one line and you know you kind of have to go along those bases or no? No, no, you can you can see and tell. It, it's it's night and day. It's just that, like I said, it's also it, it's kind of just I'd say I guess because of everybody having it, anything that comes from super stripe breeding, I think mm. people think if it has a stripe on it, it's a super stripe. Okay. It's once again, like I said, another mislabeled thing where I think someone gets a hold of it, they don't pay attention to what the breeder tells them, or it is possibly in a wholesaler's hands. And I mean, let's face it, if a wholesaler's got something that's pretty much stripe, they're just going to say, oh, call this a stripe or a super stripe. I'll slap super stripe on it. Sounds much better. <laughs> it's going to sell easier. Super sounds then, better, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's what it go- and that's how it goes. And I, I've even seen people that, you know, it's debatable, I guess, where I've seen people that I know that are, are good readers, and they call their super stripes, and I don't consider it, and then the people I know don't consider it. So it, it's like I, I really don't even <laughs> – I don't know. I know I have my what, what I think is a super stripe and and what I think is a genetic stripe. But I will say genetic stripes can be, depending on the colors or, or the pattern that's running along the sides, they can look cooler or just as cool as a super, even though supers are generally worth more money. It always confuses people because once in a while I'll have a genetic stripe price almost the same as a super because it's a really cool genetic stripe where the colors are great. And they'll say to me, like, how could you price that as much as a super? And I'll say, because of the look. That's kind of how Borneos are priced by me, is by look and kind of within them. But uh, it doesn't just mean super high or genetic lower. But in general, it, it I guess it kind of does. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm back. Sorry. Oh, good, good job. Yeah. yeah. You went someplace? I, I didn't notice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Yeah, okay, so that's how the stripe kind of works, um, which is cool. What about... Well, that's, as, yeah, that, that's... Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I no, didn't no, really I didn't hear what you guys were saying when I was... Uh, <laughs> You're the guest, Matt. Yeah. I didn't really explain it. I just kind of explained what how people... <clears throat> What people call it, and and you know, like I said, it, you'll see all day on the Internet. I, I even think, Eric, just from you looking at things... I think you have a general idea from what I've been calling super stripes and you see in other people's super stripes and you'll see just, like I said, a basic stripe or, you know, whatever. And people say super stripe. <laughs> and I think you would okay. even know that a super stripe. And, and I think you would even be able to tell by now from being right. around this a little bit, you would go, I don't, that doesn't seem like a super stripe to me. Right. I mean, I've seen some of the striping that you have. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. When you have that, um, you know how I, I would assume that these would be ocelots, the the 
the wide uh, lack of pattern, I guess, on the sides, um, which just looks like a it looks like a big stripe, but it has more of the I guess like the what you would find in like the saddle color, but it's it's all connected. What what would that be considered? Is that ocelot, or are we still in the in the world of of stripes? Well, um, you know uh, what I'm talking about. Kind of, I, I what like the wide the, the whole pattern is kind of wide the striping the dorsal and the tri that runs down and then the belly comes up really high is that what you're saying like yeah. the belly pattern yeah, yeah well that's kind of usually all that stuff is, is from uh it, it comes from osla jeans i usually call that the white wall osla it's it's one of the two extreme looks that the osla team can can uh throw out there so anything that you seen that way i didn't get a lot of osla stuff this year so when you were running through the babies and you've seen that it has aqua gene in it and that's why i got the you know the high white belly pattern and, and the really wide striping all the way through so that that is like a it would, if it didn't have the aqua influence and it just had another stripe influence it would be a super stripe i believe yeah so i mean the ocelot is kind of your 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 thing that you kind of uh you know popped out from I think it was leopard, right? The leopard patterns. Yeah, it, it was. It was an unknown stripe line I bought a while ago, and uh, it was. A, I I call it a leopard stripe. It has a leopard pattern. Yeah, Borneo uh, Borneo stripe lines had thrown mostly. Like I said, it was mostly in Keith McPeak's collection. He got a lot of stuff that he would call leopard. Uh, Leopards, tigers, and jaguars, and it all came from striping. I just kind of took it and ran it because it's not as extreme as a leopard, but it has the mm-hmm. resemblance of it. So I've called, um, making it more difficult and calling it striped leopard or leopard stripe. So I'm just adding to the confusion, I guess I could say. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to make it really hard to follow. Yeah. Yeah, more <laughs> stuff, you know. Um,. So, yeah, it just came from uh, – I bred that girl, which well, I called a leopard stripe, to a super stripe uh, Borneo, and they were sibs, and out popped that stuff in 2012. I got all this extreme stuff, which was pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of – I think that, that I've said this before on the show, but the first time that I really saw that, uh, I remember seeing it on Facebook and just saying, what the hell is this? You gotta get this mm-hmm. guy on the show <laughs> because this is just insane, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan mm-hmm. of stripe stuff, so just anything like that was just nuts, you know. Uh, I equate yeah, it to uh, the kind of look I had when I saw the Mac thing kind of reaction. <laughs> like, oh my god, I can't believe that there's a snake like this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's been it's been called the the Golden Eye or Magpie of Borneos, I guess some people have said, but. Uh... Yeah, that was 2012, and now it's my third year sort of producing them, and I, I didn't get a lot, and like I said, it's still, I have not yet bred a visual oscillate back to anything yet. I tried this season, but it was it was kind of a no-go. Hopefully this year I should have a lot of that down. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I still don't have that figured out. Like I said, any the cool thing about the oscillate gene is that anything that doesn't come out oscillate is either super stripe, genetic stripe, or... I guess what you would call leopard stripe. I don't, I haven't seen a normal yet and really cool colors. So, I mean, what, everything that doesn't come out oscillate or white wall oscillate, I call, you know, I name it super stripe, genetic stripe, possible heck oscillate, even though it doesn't work that way. It's better. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest way I can explain it. And I don't, 
I, I personally believe because of how the parents look and they were, they look a lot like the offspring or there's no marker showing that they would do what they did. That if you breed it to other Ocelot offspring, you're most likely going to get some Ocelot. I don't, I mean, there could be misses, maybe some stuff doesn't line up right, but uh, I, I personally right. believe different looks are going to give you different numbers or odds or, you know, depending on what kind of offspring you get. Okay. Um, I personally kind of dig the Borneos because I think what you were saying earlier is it kind of has that appeal that, say, uh, chondros do is that, you know, you can breed this one to this one and out will pop this random, you know, where the hell did that come from type of thing. And, mm. uh, <laughs> I think yeah. that just makes it, it sort it, of fun, you know. Yeah. It, it really does do that. And now, I mean, anymore, if you're getting into Borneos, there's not many, you don't see many normals even floating around. You're, you're most likely getting in the genetic stripes because they're affordable, even mm-hmm. ultra brights, marbles or granites. And just plug it anything genetically in is you usually pop out some wild stuff. You're, it's going to throw you curve. You're going to get some things you expect and you're going to get some curveballs, and you're just going to go, you know, what is that? <laughs> and then you're most likely going to post right. it up thinking someone can explain it to you. And you're like, wow, that's something new. That's awesome. You know, it's, it's not like a new <laughs> mutation comes. It's not like a new mutation every year, but it's a new look to it, like another level, right. which is, which is, what's just so cool. Like ghost Borneos is a, that's a genetic that Keith McPeak worked with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I can't, I wish I would have tried to look up dates or, or text mm-hmm. in the first year he did it. But I mean, every season, someone does ghost pairings, and it just seems to get a new look, or some sort of new trait, and it, it's it's just like endless. And, uh, you you think you've seen it all, and then somebody comes out with something new. It, it just looks insane. So it, it that's the fun of, of Borneo so far. You you think you hit, like ah oh, man, I don't think it's gonna get better than that. And I'm not just saying that. And you just you breathe it again, and then you're like, that's a whole new look. <laughs> And it's just like right. the new crazy thing. Yeah. Matt, what, what was the uh, Matt, what was the clutch you hatched earlier this year that was like absolutely crazy? Were those uh, the marbles? One, or? The, the one you said, what in the hell is this? Yeah, that, that was a marble. Yeah, that one. Yeah, those. <laughs> it was, I believe that's it was like, that's me. awesome. What the hell am I looking at? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's just me. I've been breeding marbles to marbles and holding back stuff. And it was two things I produced. And put together and I was, ex- I had really high hopes and I, I didn't think that one, the whole clutch came out really cool, but that one yeah. really came out nuts. And I've hatched something similar to that before, actually two things. And within a few days, it like really like gained color and that whole effect went away where this one's not doing that, but it is being a pain in the ass feeding. It's not, oh, it's of course, the I pretty knew one. it was going to, <laughs> uh, the whole, the whole clutch is be everything this year, Feeding-wise, hatchlings has gone so smooth. That is like the, my <laughs> most talked-about clutch, and everyone keeps on banging my door down, and I got holdbacks <laughs> I want from it. And I think I got what do I got? Fifteen, I, I believe, and I got four out of the fifteen eaten. <laughs> so Jeez. I got everything on uh, sphagnum moss. It, it, it hasn't been long. It's nothing I'm sweating out, but you know, it just it, it just goes to figure. Everything else is pounded. Like, you know, first attempts, I'm hearing thuds right away. I'm coming down. I'm opening the drawer. It's gone. This one, everything's still in there. And I'm like, ah, oh, of course. So 
they're gonna you know they're gonna throw me through a loop and make me sweat. I I, I know it. Yeah. Right. But would that be an, would that be a representation of it, it, it's something? It's a new crazy look to what's already out there, or is that something completely different? So. It's just like I said. It, it's another level of what's already out. Another level. Yeah, pretty much. It's 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 what I've always kind of it, it didn't do it quite. I've always said. I wonder if the marbling, if you, you notice the sides, it kind of stops. If that can go all the way around the animal. It definitely didn't do that, but it runs through and just gave it like this weird electric kind of look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, uh, which I hope sticks around and I uh, hope it gets eaten and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. but it, it's it's definitely been fun. And that cl- it's just funny to me. I, I love marbles. I've been working with them. It was definitely the, one of the first Borneos I got, and I I, I think I produced a clutch every season since I've been breeding Borneos. And um, there was definitely a stale time for them where everybody was making them, and it, I don't think people were, like, selectively breeding them that much. They were just kind of – I mean, some people were, and there were some really nice ones, but for the most part, there were a ton out there that just were like kind of walnut brown, nothing special to them, and, and they were, like, going for 125 150 bucks. Selling them for 200 you look like an insane person. And in, like, the mm-hmm. last couple of years, I mean, it's just, like, I get constant PMs, when are you hatching more marbles? And it's the, definitely the thing that goes out the door the fastest and everybody seems to want. So wow. it's, it's kind of weird how it's, like, one of the oldest things. It seemed very, un, like, no one desired it years ago. And all of a sudden, it's just, like, back and everybody wants it. <laughs> yeah, I... I... You know, it's it's crazy. I have that um, that one from you, which was the original one um, that I got from you. And I, you know, as it gets older, um, man, it just gets better and better and better. Yeah, that now, that now one has really excited. high sides. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one has really high sides. I'm kind of kicking my stuff in the ass for selling you that one, but at least I know you got it. <laughs> That one is yeah. I I could have used that in this year's project, but no, that's uh, I you have it, and I know you're gonna probably do something pretty crazy with it. So that's that's a good. And thing. you're close, you know, Mac Yeah, get and it you're close. You need to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. Uh, yeah. So what about like um, when you hear people talk about um, blue, uh, like the blue stuff? Is that that's an ultra bite, the ultra just a, a different uh, line of that, or how does that now, work? No, most of the blue stuff uh, comes from ghost, ghost Borneos. See, uh, I'll, I'll break That's into the ghost a little bit. I, we'll, we'll touch on the ghost a little later, I guess. Mm. Um, okay. Ghost, ghost have a ton. Ghost Borneos, period, I guess, have a ton of different traits. Um, like I said, once again, <laughs> I, there's no other way to do it, but it, it was Keith McPeak saying, and it started out, you know, he had ghosts on his table, and after years and years and years, there was a ton of different looks popping out from ghosts because he plugged them into super stripes and marbles, and and uh, I don't even know where he, where he took some of it or, or what he put it back to, but there are, you know, everything's under ghosts, but there's crystal glow, there's crystal glows is what he calls one, blue slate ghosts, blue marbles, um, super ghosts. Uh, honey ghosts. There, there's just a ton of different kind of ghost lines, and that's one of the cool things about them is because you can literally breed like two blue ghosts together. You bought like you know you went out, you wanted the two blue ghosts, you bought them, 
and you'll probably you'll breed them and you'll get mostly blue ghosts but out of nowhere you'll get this like really light almost white looking borneo when it's when it's hatched with a bright orange head and somewhere in there you got a crystal glow ghost popped out <laughs> and a honey ghost popped out and you're just like this doesn't add up but it it's just because he just he did so well with all that stuff i mean you get such crazy variability of of offspring in there it's it's a lot of fun to breed but the the blue stuff is mostly ghost and then there are um blues that come out of the latte line which uh latte is a whole different line it kind of follows ghost there's been patternless lattes which i, I believe the guy i think it was keith brady not keith mcpeak a different guy i think keith brady or keith bradley i always kind of mix that up He's kind of a quiet guy i don't even know if he does anything anymore but he did the latte borneos and they were always a little bit darker but they come out blue too Blue and uh, patternless? You see, no, not patternless. Okay. He, he does hatch. He hatched uh, patternless ones he called like atomic lattes. They were not blue patternless. They were just patternless. They they got dark. I don't think, I think most of it darkened up, but not really in the blue format. You don't see right. much of it around. I don't know who bought it or where it's at. It's hard to really just find pure lattes anymore. So at, at least from what I can see, I don't really find them too too often. But uh, yeah, when you see when you see blue stuff, it's mostly uh, ghost. It's either just the, the the blue ghost or the blue slate ghost, and a lot of the marble ghost, which is I think where the blue stuff might have started originating from. Popped out a lot of the uh, the marble blues or blue marbles. It's kind of crazy, but that seems to be a, a really desirable Borneo nowadays too, but some people don't like it because they do have a color change where they're, they go through the color change in a week where some of the days of the week, they're kind of tannish or, or maybe even a little drab or, or, or steel gray. And then they just turn this awesome looking blue color. <laughs> For me, it's usually around feeding time, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're like crazy blue. And then the rest of the week, they kind of go through tans and, and steel colors. It's weird. Okay. Can we lose that so, again? <laughs> I, I guess so. He's dropped off. No, no, yeah. right. That, that uh, or oh, okay. he's, busy, he's busy writing down in the blood python tone book because we have to have all the carpet pythons, and now we need to have Wait, blood pythons. Hold on. I'm going to throw what? you in there. We're going to let blood pythons. Yeah, you got, We're not even talking well, about blood pythons. Damn it. All right. Excuse me. We should have started there tonight. We we kind of jumped yeah. the gun. There are Borneo short tails, which are our our Breton Steini, red blood pythons, which are Brongos by, and Sumatran short tails, which are Curtis. And they they were also known as black bloods, but they're trying to do away with that out of confusion. <laughs> For people like Owen that are bow guys, they never <laughs> Who don't freaking learn. <laughs> they don't they don't get them right. And and hybrids are very much frowned upon in the short tail world. <laughs> just so everybody knows. Oh. That's not so. how you get mutations. You don't take your red and breed it to your black <laughs> and you get mutations. This is why so, I'm this, not allowed to breed my female. I have to send it to Matt for he can do it and then send it back <laughs> with with babies to make sure that I don't fuck it up. So <laughs> I can't. Be, so I don't think you would make high. I don't think you would make hybrids because you're kind of a pure kind of guy. I don't think you would go Damn that right. far. But you, you general. 
it's definitely something everybody generalizes. I mean, look, the most popular group on Facebook is Blood Pythons group, and it's for everything. And mm-hmm. everybody kind of knows that. But when people come up and, and come to my table, go, these are awesome Blood Pythons. I try to correct them in the nicest way possible, not to scare them off. And sometimes it works. Sometimes I think they look at me like, man, you're a jerk for saying that. And I'm mm-hmm. confused now. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely confusing. It's confusing. And it's, it's something that gets confused every day and, and people don't understand it. And I, I really thought by 2015, we'd have it down. And I guess partly I could be doing more to help out, but I, I, I try. And, and as a group, I, the blood, the, the blood python kind of community is trying mostly the breeders and people that are on there frequently are trying to help people, but there's still argument. I mean, you guys know, you see some of the drama on Facebook. You still got people arguing things that I guess have no business arguing certain things. Wow. Yeah. Well, someday I'll learn. I promise. You know. Well, yeah, it's okay. We'll, we'll give you a pass. You're, you're in the boas. It's totally understandable. Ah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I needed that. Uh, but, nice. um, so what yeah, is so, the picture? What is what? Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I sent a picture over, and this was from, um, let me see if I can, uh, I'm just trying to get a feel for what this look is. I believe, Matt that that is from a guy named oh uh, shoot now I've lost it yeah, it's over now Eric just wants it because it kind of <laughs> looks like a berm so you know obviously we're just trying to let me look at that put it on speaker to look at it yeah is it on the message yeah yeah that's Mark that's Mark uh, Kirkpatrick's stuff that is yeah. um yeah, that's kind of that's from Ghost Stuff, and oh. that's from he he got some of Keith McPeak's original animals, and uh, he bred some some of that stuff, and he got a really cool uh, ghost ghost clutch, which he got from what I understand, crystal glows and them things, which are all pretty much leopards. He's calling them leopards, tiger leopards. Um, that kind of stuff, like that shattered pattern look, which is really cool. And uh, we were just speaking, and I'm hoping, hoping, he wants to keep the whole clutch, I think. I'm hoping I can try to weasel one of them off of him for something, try to try to get one of that look. That's a cool look. Like I said, yeah. it looks like a berm, so that's why Eric's <laughs> all over it. Well, yeah, and that most likely carry, even though it has no signs of being a ghost, yeah. that probably carries ghost genetics in it. You know, it, it's kind of how that works. So, Are there any car- visual markers to this kind of stuff where it could be that an animal has these things well, in it? Well, because of that look, that makes me believe mm. it has a ton of striped genetics in it. I believe it okay. will also throw, you know, super striped stripes. And mo- like I said, because it came out of ghost, it's probably going to have some ghost somewhere hidden in there. <laughs> so uh, if you breed that to another ghost, you'll most likely get other ghosts. And, and hopefully that that look re- repeats itself because Keith McPeak liked that look a lot too. He liked stuff that he would call like Jaguars and he really looked like to work on that kind of stuff, but he never hatched. He would hatch it, but not a ton of it. I think he was trying to at some point get like a big, you know, a, a lot of them in, in clutches and he just was never able to land it, which kind of makes it cool because they're, they're pretty rare 
And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why Mark wants to hold on to all of them. Mm-hmm. I, I probably want to hold on to all of them myself. But like I said, I'm going to do my best to try to get one of them off of them. Going to do my uh-huh. best. Mark's, Mark's a good guy. Yeah, that yeah, was he, Yeah, he's working on some cool projects over there. He he wound up getting uh, a lot of Keith's really nice animals, and he has some good, some cool blood projects and and some of his own. Uh, he had some of my my marbles that were really nice. I don't know. He said he needed to make room, so I don't know if he ever got rid of them or not yet. But yeah, he's definitely got a, a lot of projects he's working on. So uh, that was definitely some cool stuff that he hatched out this year. Yeah. So, so that could be uh, something that um, could be worked towards in the future um, to breed something like that yeah. more consistently. Yeah, yeah definitely. I really like that look. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I, I why think I like everyone, your, uh, your leopard. Um, <coughs> excuse me. As I choke. The, uh, He's dying. The, <laughs> the, I continue. The mom to the ocelot. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, when Mark hatched them, everybody liked that, man. Everybody, I think everybody, the, the ghosts from it were unbelievable. Like, they were so nice looking. And everyone kind of glanced over them to stare at, the, at the, the, the leopard the leopard tiger stuff. Everybody was like, wow, look at that. And the ghosts that came out of there were pretty nice. So, I mean, they were, they were in my opinion, really nice. So, yeah, it's, like I said, that's just another thing. Like, if you, I have to try to find pictures of that whole clutch. If you could show like Owen or, or people that don't really know, it's just like almost patternless looking white hatchling ghost next to that thing. It just, you wouldn't think that would come out in the same clutch. There's like no rhyme or reason to it. It's really, it's really weird. But I mean, what he did breed to it was he, he definitely bred something leopardish or, or jaguarish. It was like, might've been this one jaguar Borneo. So I guess it was expected, but maybe not as many as he got. Or as nice as he got, you know, maybe he thought he was going to get something more subtle. Mm-hmm. So have you kind of started moving the ocelots into more like mixing with maybe ghost things or anything like that? Or are you just kind of strictly sticking them to the ocelots? No, I, I've, I've, uh, I put it to my ghost line the last two years and, uh, there was a guy, he's not in the hobby anymore. It was a breeder who put, his, his basically it was a sib of the original ocelot stuff that I have. It was like a genetic striped sib from the mm-hmm. second year to a ghost, and it was like it, it was a I have like almost an identical looking ghost, and he hatched out all this stuff that I would say looks more on the ocelot side. And Chris Kopecki, mm-hmm. he's a good friend. He has a lot of it, and it's like unbelievable looking. It's almost like patternless, bright white colors, a lot of orange in it, and um. He hit on a lot of them, the, the the breeder that got out, and Chris Kopecki got most of the stuff. Now, I did it, and I either missed or it just didn't line up right. I got really awesome, weird-looking super stripes, like weird coloring, and, and they got some granite or marbling running up the side, whatever you want to call it, more craziness that came through it. But I didn't hit on what I what I was going for. And then I did it again this year. I did a different pairing. I did... Um, the original super striped uh, oslet carrier that I used to make my original oslets to a really nice ghost. And I got some, it was a small clutch of eight and I got some crazy looking stuff, but I would say it came out more on the ghost looking side, but it definitely carries a lot of oslet stuff. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of oscillate looks to it, but I didn't hit that look that I was looking to that, that I was trying to get. Mm-hmm. But I was still really happy with it. It's unbelievable looking stuff, but it's not what I did. So I guess it's just going to throw curveballs. Everything's got to line up right, or right, you know, yeah. one year maybe I just missed. Maybe I do the same. I, I, I've done it with the original Oslo parents. I did the same pairing. I don't like doing the same pairing, but because it's making them awesome, I did it three years in a row. And two of the years I hit on a few oscillates and white walls. But one season I didn't get any oscillates or white walls out of a pretty big clutch out of 19. I just completely wow. missed. I got all, well, I got one white wall oscillate, but it's not the most extreme version of it. And the rest were all super stripes. It was mostly super stripes and a, and a, uh, and a couple of genetic stripes. But, it's just odd because I wonder if I did that the first year, <laughs> I bring them together. If I would have just moved the parents into other projects and maybe I wouldn't even have known about well, you know, yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's wow. crazy that way, you know? So yeah. I guess I, you can't really give up on it. <laughs> yeah, so the variation is kind of like a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You get all these really cool stuff, but some years you might not get any of your really cool stuff or, Sometimes you might do the same exact pairing as some other breeder and not get the same results. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I really think exactly what you said. I, I think for for people at home breeding ghost, or if you got some het, uh, pos hat oscillates from me, or from a couple of the other guys breeding them, if you don't hit on the first year, it's not definite that you're going to get it. Because, like I said, I sell everything. I, I didn't release many oscillates or white wall oscillates. Only a few people I released I released some of that stuff too. So everything is pretty much poshet. If you were to breed mm-hmm. it together and you missed the first year, maybe it doesn't carry the gene because like I said, I, I call it a possible hep because it's still a really ground floor project that I'm not really sure how it works. I have a good idea. Mm-hmm. You you might have just it, it may not carry it or you might have just missed that year. You know, you might have to do it again and who knows, next year you might get a ton of that stuff. So it it really works out weird, (laughs) but it's fun regardless. Like I said, the one thing I told people that bought expensive uh, Poshet Oslet stuff was, you know, I I gave them the fair warning. It's a ground floor project. I'm selling it early. I probably should try to hold all this back, but it just, some of the early stuff I was hitting like 25 egg clutches. I, I, you know, I I can't sit on 50 of them. (laughs) It's just too many. (laughs) And I, I like to get, I like to give people the opportunity to try to work with them, but, at the same time, I was saying, you know, you're buying this for more because of what it is, and they understood that, but there's a chance that, you know, it might not work out. So that's the risk they're taking. I might be selling you something that I might regret later on, or you might be buying something that you regret later on. That's kind of how I put that stuff. But like I said, either way, you're going to get really cool super stripes, genetic stripes, and, and crazy colors in your offspring. That's the one thing I, I to pretty much guarantee out of that stuff. Uh, yeah. I like the stretch. Yeah, I, I posted up the rest of the. Uh, I think it's that clutch. I'm pretty sure. I went to his page and. Uh, okay. Pulled it down. I believe that's the one you're talking about. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, looking. it's pretty. It's pretty crazy looking. The variability between just. I don't think you got a ton of looks, but I mean it's night and day from the ghost to them to you know the leopard stuff, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's nearly patternless type of 
I don't know. It looks like a burnt marshmallow on the top, like a brown type of. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's cool, cool stuff, for sure. Um, yeah. So, what about what about the thing that uh, Lon, well, that I have that uh, you know is is along the lines of what he calls the Halloween bright. Um, is that just? I mean, can you selectively breed? Or, uh, you know, I've seen some of the animals that you have with these orange heads that, you know, really, is, is that something that's fairly consistent genetically? Uh, is that a selectively bred type of thing? You know, how does how, how that pop down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, like I said, Lon's just doing selective breeding, and he just has an eye for that kind of stuff, too, where... I'm pretty sure he was looking for that kind of stuff to come out and, and he hit on it. Um, me and him were talking a lot at Carpet Fest and I've had the thought and, and said it for a long time and, and, and so has he, but he was saying, especially I think seeing the parents should be really important to people because uh, he kind of was hitting that pretty much where, I, I, like I said, I think the same thing where Borneos really hold on the genes a lot, even if they don't show them. And I think that's where all these, variable looks are coming from where you're breeding something, you know, you're breeding the genetic stripe, which isn't that far off of normal besides like a stripe on its back. Sometimes, sometimes the colors can be better to, you know, or maybe another genetic stripe and you're popping out all this wild stuff. Sometimes it has granite looking sides or marble looking sides. There could be ultra crept up in there. Uh, It's weird. And Lon was just saying, I think it's going to start becoming really important it always has been to him i think to see the parents and stuff and i wish i would have took that approach faster uh cara and and ryan uh norris from the from blood pythons they've been keeping their lineage for a while and i've kept all my lineage i just didn't really if anyone ever asked i always had pictures of the clutch and the parents but now i went on iherp and made a ton of i'm trying to catch up and i'm doing a ton of my clutches and all trying to get everything together and dig through my computer because I want mm-hmm. to start telling that to people. I think it'll also help. I, I was already doing it. And then, you know, for that reason, I was saying it to people. And Elon was saying right away, I think the parents are more important. I was like, man, I'm, I'm right on point with you. But I think that's going to help us stand the genetics better and maybe help, help people understand more. Like I said, this whole show, people sound like this guy sounds like a dumbass or he's just rambling on because <laughs> I totally get it. I used to feel the same way. I, I would go... When I would go to Daytona, I would talk to Keith McPeak, and I would ask him, like, you know, this ghost, how I want to make this, how do you get this? And he would kind of, like, explain loosely and shrug his shoulders at me, and I, it's when I first met him, and me and Keith are friends now, I would always walk away, like, I wonder, like, is he being like, I don't want to tell you, or, you know, does he just not even know it? And now I get it, finally, you know, I would look at him that way, and I'm sure people walk away from me thinking the same thing, even, I give more than Keith does. But I think Keith only did that just to try to be like, I don't want to confuse people more. I'm in the opposite boat where I'm like, I'm going to probably confuse you, but I don't care. I'm going to give you everything I know. And you're going to walk away like, ah, never mind. But um, now I totally went off base. Oh, they're talking about the, the how Lon gets them looks. But uh, yeah, but what Lon was saying, I really think, you know, we have to look at these parents and it's going to help understand where all this stuff is getting it from. And like I said, that's why I've been doing the iHerb stuff countlessly trying to get on there. Although I've taken a long break so I can send that to people 
that buy stuff right. off me and they can look through all my questions and maybe understand it more. They can see, you know, how it came up and maybe, oh, that picked that off. And I want to study it more to maybe kind of go through it and maybe try to catch some stuff I haven't mm-hmm. caught yet. <clears throat> right. Yeah, you know, I think I would say that it seems that the only Python group of people that really don't pay attention to parents as maybe as much as they should seems to be like the all Python world. Well, and, uh, yeah, because it's a morphism, morphism. There's not really that much variation of stuff. I know, but you know, you're certain things, the, but they're, they're missing the boat because yeah, because you, you can that, do line uh, breedings and expand on certain things, and you know, blah blah blah. So, well, I would imagine that Python genetics is fairly consistent. You know, I of mean, course. you can selectively breed mm-hmm. any type of Python. You see it, you know, chondros and carpets and Borneos, bloods and. Uh, shoot, you probably even see it in things, well, retics and berms and all this kind of stuff um, where the parents are really kind of kind of important, you know. I mean, that's, that's just a huge... That would be my recommendation to people that are just getting into this hobby is, uh, you know, whatever you're getting, you should go and find the best examples that you possibly can and look at those parents and see, you know, what's going on and you know, uh, whether it's a carpet that, you know, you're looking for, like, think of Echo, Owen, you know, you're, 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 you're going to have tiger jags. Well, you don't have any mm-hmm. tiger jags, but <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have tiger jags that, that hold, you know, or somewhere <laughs> similar to what that, that, that is, you know, and, uh, I think the same holds true for pythons in general. So yeah. that's really cool that you guys are doing that, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not pushing it. Uh, like I said, it, it, it is weird that um, in in the short tail, like I guess world. <laughs> I don't know if I want to put it that way. Some people, most people, ask for parents' pictures, or most people that are producing them are pretty proud and show the parents' pictures because to right. show where they come from. But there are still people think itself they're buying. And uh, don't seem to care much. And I, I've always wanted to see where the stuff came from. And I even like looking at whole clutches as much as I can. I mean, I'll get excited and be, uh, I'm getting that snake no matter what. But then I want to find out about it and and everything like that. And I, I don't think we're going to get as on track as you carpet guys or, or condo mm. people or anything like that. But I hope people, like, you know, I hope people are at least keeping records at home of what they have. So when people want the information, they can. And I'm not going to start making printouts and send them in my boxes, but I, I will give you know <laughs> links to the iHerb page. And I've, I've always mm-hmm. tried to. If you go on, I really wish Facebook would fix the business page thing when you click on it. If you go on desktop for for my business page, you, there's different albums, and I used to post yeah. parents at the top along with the whole clutch. I mean, now when you go on mobile, it's just whatever recent pictures you put, it's a million of them. So, mm-hmm. so when I want to show people, I have to go on the desktop version and send them the link, and it just takes a long time, but but I still do it. And I, I used to do that a ton, and I'm going to go back to even doing it on Facebook. Even though I'm, I'm trying to keep up with the iHerb thing, I'm going to go back to doing that and making a million albums and all that stuff on, on uh, my Facebook business page. So you can see, here's the parents, and then I would eventually – 
it would always be the hatchlings and then whatever I had left still, my holdbacks or if stuff wasn't selling for six months, I would take updated pictures and put next to it so you could see how it progressed. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just think, yeah, it definitely will help people understand things. Some people in Borneos, they buy something and they seem to get really upset because most uh, ghosts or ultras, that kind of gene, ghost ultras and lattes come out generally really light as babies when they when when they have that genetic look. And as they get older, they do tend to fall into a darker look or a richer color. Not not to be worse. Like I, I love all Borneos. They they look cool to me no matter what, but they don't keep the white or the creams a lot of times. And I think people just jumping in see this like, wow, that's like a fully full cream or creamy white baby. And then it gets older and they get, ah, oh, I'm going to sell it because it's turning into this blue thing or this silver mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So they get upset. And, um, you know, if you keep updating the, you know, you, you look at the parents and you, you look at the holdback offspring from years ago, if you did that pairing, people will now start understanding it. And then you won't see the, the nice animal someone worked really hard for just being flipped around the hobby and, and coming back as something totally different when you catch a picture of it. Cause I see that often too. Yeah. It's uh, something that's, you sold something to somebody and then it's something different by the time. Oh yeah. I, I definitely, I've done that before. I, I, I have, like I said, being here, I keep my pictures and I look at them and I'll, something even remotely looks like mine. I'll dig all through my computer and look and follow the pattern. I'll count the dots on the tail to make sure it's right. And here it was a, you know, it was a female super striped Borneo. It was a female super striped Borneo when I sold it. And, and three years later, it changed hands five times. And it was, now it's a uh, male striped Borneo blood. That's what they'll call it. You know, something oh, totally wow. different. It'll come back as, yeah. And Borneo blood, not meaning they think it's a hybrid. Just people butcher that. People will call. If you see Borneo blood online a lot of times, it's not because they think it's a hybrid. People just call them all three, all three of the species, Sumatran short tails, Borneo short tails, and obviously reds. They just call them all blood. I've tried to even help wholesalers who I don't even know them just to stop confusion and maybe help them out by saying that's not a Borneo blood, it's a Borneo short tail, and they just ignore me. <laughs> so I, I still do it to try to help out because it's obviously, there's definitely a wholesaler right now selling ultra bloods, granite bloods. All, they're all Borneos. They're all Borneos, and he's calling them all bloods. He had Borneo bloods, and he actually just changed it to bloods recently. I've I seen, I seen the page again, and I'm like, wow, he just dropped the Borneo all together and he's calling them bloods. So he's just making it super confusing for people so i mean it's kind of similar in the carpet world but would you i mean i guess i'm sure you're probably going to say that you agree but wouldn't the recommendation be to go to a breeder rather than uh you know yeah that 100 yeah 100 and it, it seems mm-hmm. like the new crowd thinks that we say that like to try to get business. And when, when we mention it, it's funny because everybody, all the breeders I know on there will give a laundry list of, of good breeders names, including myself. I'll, I'll, I'll be mentioned as I'll go, go to Matt for, for something good. He's a good breeder or go to, go to Chris Kopecky or go to Matt Turner or go to Kara. And we'll all wind up putting this guy, you know, we, we, 
we all put a laundry list of people that also have really good animals and, and are good breeders. And it still seems like people are like, oh, you guys say that because, you, you know, you want the money, not other people. That's a, I mean, not everybody. Some people seem to, they probably think that or, or they seem to think that. But right. it really helps because there's so much misidentification on it. I mean, it's every, every day, sometimes multiples a day. What, what is this? It was sold to me as if I, it doesn't look like this from what I'm seeing. And then it's a huge debate on there. And then sometimes it gets heated over nothing, <laughs> over, yeah. you know it's it's just silliness and it would all been avoided if you you know i like i said i was just saying last week how flippers or wholesalers have their place in the hobby and some do it right and there's some that are good and they're kind of needed to sometimes open people's eyes to different species but you know for the most part most of them butcher it and make it very confusing for people <laughs> so and, hmm. and it's just and it's bad when people buy it and i know they're excited about their animal but they usually go into it not knowing, but they're fighting about it for some reason. So people that have seven, 10, 15 years experience and they're just trying to help them, no one's attacking them and they feel like they're being attacked. You know, it's, it gets ugly fast for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, <laughs> yeah. That, that That's definitely a, uh, uh, you know, something to, I guess it's a frustrating thing to a certain extent. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, I don't know, every group of pythons that I like has that same kind of problem. And there's you drama, know, like, there's drama everywhere. Damn it. It's just everywhere. Taxonomy, well, I mean, taxonomy comes in and changes, you know, where they used to be one group then they split them out to subspecies and now, you know, they're separate species. And if you're an average herper that maybe doesn't keep up with that kind of thing, you know, you're, you're yelled at for, at, yeah, you know. Yeah, but I, I'm not even going that far. I'm going, this was months ago. Uh, it was a while ago. Somebody said they were going to make a cool mutation breeding a red blood to a Sumatran short tail because that's how you <clears> get <throat> mutations. And the person, you could just tell they don't have many snakes. They kind of just bounced around. They could have even been trolling. Who knows? They could have just been trolling for for <laughs> trouble. But, you know, people, for the most part, got on there and generally were correcting the person. And the person was just being, well, then how do you get them? There's no other way to explain it. Like, you know, and, but people were explaining it. And the person just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. And it's so sad that, like, whether he has his troll buddies on there or not, but there were some people, like, you know, what I, new people, people I don't know their name and they probably don't have much experience, jumping to the person who's completely wrong and arguing everybody's rescue. <laughs> and right. they're, like, trying to rescue them. So now, instead of trying to explain the one person who's kind of being hard-headed, now you got three people because two just decided to agree with them and they're new and they think that we're attacking the new guy when no one was – you know, no one's being brutal to the person. They're just trying to help. And it happens with tub sizes. It happens with enclosures. It's it's silly, some of the arguments. It happens with water and, bowls. So. Oh, water bowls, yeah. Man. Don't, don't get me started yeah, about well. water bowls. <laughs> I, go, I can go on for a full five minutes about water bowls. <laughs> Coming soon to a podcast near you. Yeah. Please, but God. Inside, <laughs> inside joke with the messaging. I'm sure Zach's yeah. laughing. Yeah, probably. But uh, wherever he yeah. is. Yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah. It's 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 typical. It's typical stuff. And I I try my best. Like I said, we were talking about this the other night. 
sometimes you want to take somebody's side that's been battling a good battle with with a bunch of hard-headed new people but it's like 62 comments in and you feel bad because it's so much to read and you don't want to just jump in out of nowhere out of anywhere but um yeah it just gets crazy and it makes it so i i think sometimes you see the vacancy of of, of more experienced breeders not answering questions that we should be answering because of the hassle it takes to, you know, it takes time and effort to keep on typing somebody and trying to prove your point or, or tell people, give them info. And then you wind up defending mm. yourself, you know, so it just makes it tough. And most of the experienced people I see, including myself, we're on the page of there's not just one way of doing things. And it just seems like some of these people get this idea in their head that there's one way of doing things. And that's how a lot of these fights start too. Yeah, it's it's just crazy, and uh, you know, I I guess Kara actually has been doing great work with that. I mean, she's probably been doing that for years, and she's kind of tirelessly writing these things. And I try to at least hit the like button, and, and I try to jump in where I can. And I see Lon jumps in, and Lon takes a different, awesome approach. He kind of <laughs> he'll he'll give good advice, and then once it gets kind of hard headed, he pokes fun, which is just awesome to me. And kind of Chris Gopesi <laughs> takes that approach too which is awesome. I wish I kind of had it in me to do that sometimes, but I don't, you know. And like I said, I'll see Nick Bottini once in a while jumping on there trying to give info, but, you know, it's like I, I don't think I do it as much or Nick does it as much because it just becomes, t- you know. So we have, besides our snake collections, we have other things to do, and it just takes up so much more time to continue on with mm-hmm. a conversation that should only be five minutes, but you'll wind up seeing it's 103 replies to it. You know, they're like the hottest topics. And it's it's silly. Yeah, it's, that's a that's kind of a again that that kind of dilemma to where you know you want to educate people, but it's difficult when you're a, a breeder of a, of a size collection and you know you have snakes to take care of and you know outside life besides snakes and then you know jobs and, and other things and you, you know Matt's got yeah. That really don't yeah. that you know, and really they spend more time on the computer rather than in their snake room learning about their snakes. You know, or reading yeah. a book or something. Uh, so. it's, I, I literally had a guy at Hamburg that I've, I've you know speak to at Hamburg once in a while, saying you know, hey, what are you too you too much of a big breeder to jump on there and not answer some questions now? And I was like, no, I don't I don't think that one bit. It's just <laughs> I explained it's just it's hard to to do sometimes because of the the give and take and you can't just put one remark anymore because more misinformation goes out there and you got to continue to go and and it's you know that's facebook is a great tool but that's the problem with it is just there's so many voices and everybody can throw their two cents in whether they're just being hard-headed or trolling or you know who knows (laughs) so it just Mm -hmm. becomes hard to answer every question well, that's why I think it's important to have platforms like this for the, the you know, species that uh, it is kind of confusing. I think that uh, having breeders like yourself on where you're actually saying it and somebody can go back and listen to it and sort of, you know, I mean, I, I know we kind of talked about this on a previous episode to where uh, we talked about, you know, what you're doing uh, and, and, and what you're breeding and whatnot, but I kind of just... 
I don't know. I kind of felt that it was kind of important to have that kind of thing to where somebody could just kind of maybe it, you have to listen to it a few times for it to click in, you know, and like really you're looking at pictures as you're as you're doing this and it's kind of just, you know, I don't know. I, I think yeah, it's just important. Definitely, no. It, it's definitely good and I, I just hope I'd rather personally listen than read. So, so it's great for me because I just sit there and I, I drive. I drive around. I got to drive a work truck most of the day, so I'd rather listen than read stuff. You know, so it's definitely yeah. it's definitely a good yeah. thing for me. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I I've seen I've seen your collection firsthand, and I am still even sort of sometimes confused by, you know, it's 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 more. I understand it more and more every time that uh, I see and, you know, especially seeing offspring and adults, you know, that's always awesome because, you know, you'll show me the clutch and then show me the, the parents and then, you know, you can kind of, kind of, kind of see what's going on. And once you do it enough, then it starts to click, you know, and, you know, I don't know, just as uh well, it's exposure. And then it's also getting out there and doing it. I mean, part of this, in my opinion, is a lot of people are lazy and they'd rather just be like, what is this? And then wait for people to fill in the blanks, and then that's it. You know, I put up the post. All these people told me what it is, and I need to go no further. I'm done. Where, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, I'm going to sound I'm gonna sound like an old fart and be like, when I started, it was there was no this. There was, you know, you had to read the magazines. You had to read the book. You had to go and you had to pester the breeder at the freaking show. You had to figure right. it out. Yeah. You, if you were lucky enough, you lived close enough to one of those breeders, and you can come over to their house and offer to clean a bunch of cages as they teach you shit. So yeah, it's like, you know, take take the next step, everyone. And you know, there's more to this than just starting a Facebook argument. And maybe don't accept the first five comments on your post as being the correct answer. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're and and like I said, I uh, touching on buying from a breeder. It's not like when you buy from a breeder. You, you well it, it is kind of like you said when you buy from a breeder you have that breeder to talk to and, and yeah and we said this again last week too even when people don't buy from me i still help just if you're, if you're from from, it, from, yeah. from knowledgeable breeders and and breeders that are good breeders it's easier to even help outsiders it's easier for me to help you because i know the breeder i know where the mm-hmm. animal came from you can look it up on that breeder's page it's not so don't think because you bought from another breeder, you, you know, that other, the other guy's not going to help you next door. Mm-hmm. It's just easier in general. And, uh, you know, breeders are out there to help, but we also want to help people buying from knowledgeable people where you can look back and, and see where the animal came from or it's a, it's a just, you know, it's a good animal, period. It's, most of us will help when you buy it from Joe to Flipper and it, it's, it's infested with mites and, and emaciated, but it's it's just so much easier. You know, if anyone goes comes over to me and says, I bought this from Lon or, or, or Nick or, or, or Chris Kopecky, I'm definitely more than, I'm more than willing to talk about it with them. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it with them because I know all them guys and, and I'm sure them mm-hmm. guys, you know, I, I don't know why they wouldn't be talking to that guy, but they could talk to them and me too. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's easier. It's the conversation's better. You're not just getting info. Now we're sharing things and what's cool or not. When you're buying off flippers, we're just helping you get that animal to eat or to not have mites. You know what I mean? There's there's no yeah. point in that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
we did and, have and a. Get, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Now I was going to say, and, and I get there's there's people that don't want these for breeding projects. People could just have pets, but my, everybody I'm talking about too has affordable animals. I mean, you can. Most of us have $150, $200, maybe even $250 animals. And I know that could be, I'm not saying that's cheap, but most of the time you're going to buy a normal Borneo, maybe 85 is the cheapest, or 100 even, 125 If you could just cough up a couple more bucks, 50 more bucks, and buy it off of somebody, you're getting a much better animal, you're getting background on it, and you're getting that breeder and other breeders' personal advice that they're going to give you with no problem. You know, rather than just how oh, you bought it from someone else, because you're going to get the bare minimal even when people do help you with yeah. a garbage animal. You know, you're just like I said, you're going to get the basic info. <laughs> right. Right. So. Yeah, it's important. Um, we did have a uh, a question come in, and uh, it says, "What have What do you get when you breed an ocelot to a normal?" <laughs> Oh boy, I I wouldn't know. I haven't got to breed an ocelot yet. Um, I'm hope uh, what I would what I can imagine, based on you know just how things work, I think you'll get a ton of genetic stripes. Probably probably even some super stripes because it's been known uh, super stripes has come out first generation anyway. Uh, so I, I I would think a lot of a lot of genetic stripes, possibly some super stripes. And um, if I'm not mistaken, ghost Borneos and ultra bright Borneos have came out first generation bred with something without them genetics. So possibly an ocelot, but I I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I, I would I would have to doubt it being how I breed. Possibly I breed ocelot genetics back to the original parents, and I only see a handful out of 20 eye clutches. So I I'm going to say it's really rare that you would get. First generation ocelot, but I would think you're going to get mostly genetic stripes, super stripes. Possibly see some normals with some cool colors or some just wacky stuff. Like even normals that come out of ghost stuff or stripe stuff generally have they're, they're cooler looking than most normals, and they have really good colors. So that that's what I that's what I would imagine. But like I said, I haven't got to breed a visual ocelot back to anything yet. Just the original adults. And stuff that I was cross like mixing for years. I was taking them on ocelot adults and putting them into different stripe projects, different stripe Borneo projects. And uh that's really things I've been breeding. So this year I should have a good chance at putting something ocelot back to more ocelot stuff, possibly some ghost stuff, maybe even some marble stuff. So we I'll be able to have a better idea after this season, I hope. Okay. Hmm. Uh, one more question. What about a marble to a normal? Marble to a normal I've done. Now, every time I've done a marble to a normal or a marble to a genetic stripe, you know, something that doesn't carry marble genes, mm-hmm. I would generally get almost all marbles. Um, problem with that is, now, I, I've done a ton of marble breeding. And like I said, I, that that was some, that was my first mutation, and I was working with a lot of marbles. And I bred a lot of marbles to a lot of normal and a lot of genetic stripes. And like I said, I always get almost all marbles, more than 50% marbles in the clutch. And I was hatching, I was making everything gigantic back then. And I was getting 25, 38 clutches back then. So it wasn't like it was a small clutch. I was at a, at a 25, 30, I was getting 
I was getting, you know, 20 marbles, you know, uh, 18 marbles, 23 marbles, you know, that kind of thing. And if I did marble to marble, all marbles. So I would say, uh, I would say you're going to get marbles, but I've known people to buy some things from me and from Mike, where I originally got my stock from, and they've bred it with normals and they got everything all normal. <laughs> so I'm guessing wow. it would carry the gene for marble. But I think mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, marble's been so bred that I think if you have bred a marble, anything to a normal these days, I think you're going to end up with some marbles. Okay. I, I was hmm. on something years ago, but it doesn't make any sense because of the way, because <laughs> of the way marbles work. I was trying to be, you know, for a while when ball pythons were kind of at their peak, there was a thing where spiders are dominant and pinstripes are dominant. Sorry to bring up royals, everybody, but we're bringing up royals for a second. Um, uh, they were both dominant genes. There was a thing for a while that there's a super spider and a super pinstripe. So everyone was wondering why everyone's hiding, showing these things, because everyone for years was saying that there was none and they did the breedings and, and all that stuff. Now, there was no different look to it but there was a you couldn't tell what it was but a super spider basically you couldn't tell from breeding spider spider which one had it but there would be a spider that would come out or a pinstripe that would come out where you breed it to a normal and you get 100 percent pinstripes or, or spiders that would be like your super spider or super pinstripe so there was a while where i thought the reason why you're getting normal borneos from breeding marble normal to uh and you're getting some marble Borneos when you breed marble to normal or you're getting all marble Borneos, this was, there was kind of almost like the same sort of super marble where that marble was bred to another marble. And there's certain, certain marbles in that clutch, no, no genetic markers, where you take the, the super marble, you could say, which I know I just said there is no super marble, and that's not what I would call it. But I'm just mm -hmm. going off the terms of the spider pinstripe thing, that that's why you get marbles in some, and that's why certain marbles produce full normal clutches and I guess they carry the gene for it but like I said I thinking about it more and trying to explain it more I was like that probably isn't it <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense to you guys I, I confused myself talking right there so I don't know if anybody understood me does that make any sense to either of you I don't even know it, it, I'm I'm not that lost but I would probably need to, to be explained a few more times yeah but like I said I thought I was on to that, and before I, I obviously just said it here, before I ever opened my mouth or wrote it down, I was like, no, nah, that can't be it. But like I said, I'm just stuck on that. I just think Borneo genetics are all over the place, and they're definitely, if you go into it needing to know what you're going to make, they're just, I hate to say they're not for you, but they're, they're not for you. I mean, I could sit here and tell you all day when you buy a super stripe and a stripe, you're going to get super stripes and genetic stripes. It happens pretty much all the time. I, I don't think it won't happen, but people seem to have to know the numbers and, and what they're going to get and how it works. And it's just not explained that easy. And I just don't think it's for them people that need to know <laughs> what it's going to make, you know, because it's just kind of, you got to plug it in. And like, you know, like we said in the beginning of the show, like Eric said, and like I said, you breed crazy stuff to other crazy stuff, and then you get extremely crazy stuff. <laughs> right. It really is the best way to explain it. And you yeah. keep making it crazier and crazier. You yeah, know, and, and, and really, and you, you, it's very important to keep holdbacks because 
uh, obviously selective breeding is the main, I'd say the main reason for keeping Borneos is selective breeding. And you just keep on holding that insane stuff back and pushing it back into other crazy projects that you held back. And I mean, you just really start popping out these insane clutches, just really extreme stuff, stuff you didn't expect. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's no, to me, there's just no hatching the few things, different species that I hatch is no more fun than hatching Borneos. You just, when they're coming out of the egg, you have no idea what, what you're getting. And it's, Every year it's awesome. I, I can't say I've ever had a, a year where I felt robbed off something. Even when I missed, there was mm-hmm. still such cool stuff. You know, missed out on things that I thought I was going to get or that I got the year before. Just still mm-hmm. such cool stuff. And so many, like, the, there'll be a new look in the fold. And you, it just, it makes it so much fun. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You know, I thought, I thought about- carpets were variable, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, these these are these are very variable. It's, it's very crazy. Damn. Yeah. What about uh, does does ghost to a normal change anything, or is that just fall in line with the other stuff? No, usually ghost to a normal. Luckily, I was you know close to Keith, and I got to see a lot of that stuff. Ghost to normals generally pump out a bunch of kind of stripy looking animals. And a lot of normal animals, but the normal animals have like they're just weird pattern, and they got this weird color going over them where you can it's not really a marker, it's just a color, and you, it it just kind of resembles a ghost and if you've never seen Borneos before, if you paid a little bit of attention to Borneos, you'd be able to just see that there's something weird with them, you know it's there's something to them, but uh it, it ha- Keith has said. I've never done it, but I think I'm almost definite. Keith said twice that he produced um, ghost first generation from bringing a ghost to a non-ghost animal, not to a normal, but to like probably you know a stripe or a marble or something. He produced something that was a, was a ghost, and I'm pretty sure the same thing is right for ultra brights. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's just weird the way it works. That's cool. Is, is there any other um, genetics or more? I should say, is there any other morphs out there that uh, are are new to uh, new ish world? That yeah, new ish. Hmm. No, I think everybody. Uh, there was Ben Siegel had a what looked to be a T positive albino Borneo. I mean, he had it, and I believe he said he was selling it and. Nobody, I don't know anyone that knows where it went. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have it anymore. Uh, he he got that imported in, and it was it was neat looking. There was a lot of controversy over it because it kind of looked like a caramel Sumatran short tail, like the orange headed uh, Sumatrans. If you've ever seen their caramel, it looked uh-huh. very similar to that. So there was like, is it that? Does he really know what he's got? But I mean, he was posting pictures, I think, straight from the importer and, and all that. And most people seem to believe it, it was a T-positive albino Borneo, but I, I have no idea where it went. But I uh, the, the price tag on it was pretty high from what I from what I heard. I think it was trying to be sold for $15,000. <laughs> so I don't know who ended up with it or, or where it got now. I, I guess that's one I of the main know, ben, things that... 
sets a carpet pythons apart from Borneos is that you guys still have an outlet to wild animals coming in with potentially new genetics and new morphs. Yeah, and from from what I heard in the rumor mill, Borneos don't generally, from what I see, they're not really imported in. There's not too many wild type Borneos. Okay. Um, but from what I've heard, there's just, I heard there's a ton of you get a lot of imported red bloods in um, still, I think, from from uh, from Sumatra. Mm. But uh, I heard I, some. There's been rumors that there's a ton of awesome Borneo mutations out there because there's a lot of Indo for uh, groups on on uh, Facebook, and, and we get to interact with some of the Indo guys, and you see some of this crazy stuff over there. And some of it looks like crazy straight red blood mutations. Some of the Borneo stuff, nothing really looks like a mutation. It just looks really crazy and new. I mean, to our eyes, some of it looks kind of like it could be crossed. I don't know. If it, I, I don't understand the Indonesian. So I don't know what they're saying. So I don't know right. if they're just freely crossing things. They don't know if they're crossing things, if that stuff's coming out of the wild, which I, I doubt because they're breeding a lot of things over there. Um, it's just, you know, it's craziness. But I, I've heard there are really crazy mutations of Borneos out there. But it's, like I said, it's all rumor. I haven't seen anything yet. But there there used to be a T-negative, and it was in the UK. And it was really cool looking. I've only seen, it's fun because I guess it was back then where, you know, you didn't have cell phone, you didn't have cameras on your cell phone. So there wasn't many pictures of it. And the pictures weren't great quality, but it wound up dying in the person's collection, I think. They had a, I don't know mm. if it came in as an adult, but most likely everything usually comes in as an adult. But it was an adult, and I think he just can't, kind of went in one day, and it was, you know, belly up. He was just trying to do his best and never went up producing or anything. Uh, yeah. God, yeah, now I, I would... $15,000 from that, and it goes belly up. Jesus. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure the albinos are probably recessive, but who knows what Borneo's watch them work crazy too. <laughs> so is is there an albino after the in, in snakes that doesn't work like a recessive? Is is there one? Like a like a uh, like a real T negative? No, I thought everything was recessive. What'd you say? Uh, no, I thought everything works recessive. Yeah, I, I don't pay enough attention, but everything I pay attention to works as a recessive. So yeah, I'm just wondering: Has there ever been like albinoism in snakes that were any other way besides recessive, and not like, like I said, like a like a like a T negative, not like you know caramels or uh, even caramels. I mean, has anything ever worked any other way? But that's a whole other, I guess, show. Yeah, it's a whole other <laughs> can of worms. But um, <laughs> I want to yeah. say T negative albino. It only works the one way, and that's a simple recessive. Um, the only way I would, yeah. do, would be able to talk out is if you started mixing it with other stuff. But even then, the still albino part is somewhat recessive. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so. That's just my yeah. small slice of science. So. <laughs> gotcha. Cool. Um. So I guess I guess before um. I wanted to hit on maybe a little bit of, uh, like, breeding, which I know that we hit on before, but uh, Bill was asking us if we could uh, maybe just give a rundown of... Right. Bill needs to know how to breed the things he just bought. He has a bunch now. (laughs) Matt, let me me ask this question. I'm shipping a pair. 
Oh, you're <laughs> shipping a pair to him? <laughs> I'm, shif- I'm, I'm shipping a pair to him next week, yeah. Yeah. Happen quickly. <laughs> He's got chondro fever. <laughs> who, who does, Zach? No, no, no you no, have chondro fever. You do. Yeah. How you. me? Yeah. yeah I, do ha- I do have chondro fever still. It's slowed down because my pockets are, are empty, but I still got the fever, but, you know. Yeah. Um. Would you say that out of the short tail complex that the Borneos are the most resilient of the of the three? Uh like like uh I guess for better words what you guys would call bulletproof. <laughs> like yeah. that? Yes, yes. Right. Yes. Brettle um, the Brettle Python, you know. I guess yeah. it, I get, I get, I haven't worked with Sumatrans enough. I've worked with them, but I guess it's a it's kind of a, a toss up between them and and Sumatran short tails. I would say more likely Sumatran short tails get the best reputation, okay. and it's also probably because maybe they're not really working with too many mutations, so you're not really line breeding anything. Um, I always hear great stories about them coming directly out of the egg and not being much, you know, they're not whippy or, or bitey. They thrive really <laughs> well. Um, Cause I mean, what's the reason to really want, I mean, obviously most people want dark ones. They're looking for some of the chrome in them, but I don't think they're as tightly line bred as, you know, Borneos and, and, and reds when you're getting the mutations. But I, I, I guess Borneos would definitely be a close second. And I don't even work with as many reds over the, I've worked with reds for a long time, but not as big a number as other ones, as other people. But from what I hear from people that work with all three or even just reds, reds are definitely the touchiest, I would, I would guess where, you know, they are more, more just, I guess you would just say sensitive. <laughs> I, all, all the Sumatran short tails I've ever had and all the Borneos I've ever had come feeding time, rip it off the tongues with aggression. You know, once they get going, Dude, I've never really had one work, work like where you lay it in, you have to, or you got to chase it around, or they need lives. Almost every one of my reds down the basement has a different way of eating. So I mean, that just kind of goes to say they're a little different. Some, some I have to drop it in there. Some I have to chase around. Some I got to touch behind the neck. Slowly <laughs> at night still. So it's I and 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 problem wise, they seem in the community at least to have more problems. I've had a little bit of problems with them, but not, not so much as to what other people seem to have. Okay. But I also don't have as many as other people, I guess. I've okay. been having a hell of a time breeding them. I'm getting, I'm getting a ton of slugs breeding them. I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep them. I, I keep my Borneos leaner now. I used to just kind of make them like heavy. And it was always said that bloods can't be heavy like a Borneo or like a Sumatran short tail and do well. So I've been balancing keeping them leaner. And the last couple of years, I get a good amount of slugs. And I think not like I'm going to go make them gigantically fat, but I'm going to kind of get out of my head some and kind of just cruise control, kind of do them the way I do my Borneo of conditioning them and see how I do next year. I've also kind of, I guess rush things and from trying to keep them down in size, maybe that's kind of messed me up some. I'm trying to keep everything a little bit smaller now to get, they lay smaller clutches anyway, but I'm trying to get some breeding done at 41 quarts. And I'm just, you know, I think I kind of 
rushed a little bit with some of the reds and maybe maybe overthought some of the way I'm feeding them. So I think next year, I mean, this year already, I've been kind of on cruise control, not thinking about it as much, kind of treating them like I do my Borneos. And hopefully I don't run into as many problems with slugs. Right. Plus I heard Hopefully. heat is the enemy. <laughs> I don't use a lot of heat <laughs> anyway, but uh I've right. spoke to a few people. Uh some of the some of the breeders I've I talk to a lot and you know, they just not that they thought I was using it, but they're like heat is the enemy, especially with red. You don't want a lot of heat on them. So hmm. we'll see how that goes. I do keep a I do keep a hot spot year round, but I do lower it during the breeding season. Right. Okay. But where do you where do you want to jump into? We kind of went in the middle of breeding. So where do you want to jump yeah. into with breeding? Well, <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, you know you you you're, let's just start at like how you. I mean, do you do any kind of uh, preseason prep to get your girls ready, or you know maybe talk about um, what the I, I, you take it to, uh, and then you know. I, I generally start my season. Um, mid to the end of October uh, for them, not for everything, for my short tails. Uh, the room naturally gets cooler. I don't really, I have a space heater I use in the middle of the room. I generally don't need to touch it much. Just, uh, you know, Philadelphia weather, it just gets cooler. But the room set at 80, it kind of at nighttime cools down naturally to 77 and there'll be spots of the room. I've actually been cooling my room down a lot cooler than I used to. It's been getting down to 75 now, but I, I kind of like it around 76, 75 at night. And then during the daytime, it gets up to maybe 79, sometimes 80. And as the winter goes on, even if it does get colder, I kind of balance it. I'll turn the heater up a little bit to kind of keep the balance the same. I kind of keep it 75. I try to keep it, you know, 75, 76 at night, kind of 70, 78. 79 during the day as, as the months do go on I, I just like i said i'll i'll just adjust my my heater a degree or two and uh <clears throat> for hot spots i generally keep them around 86 all year long but then come breeding season i do give a night i turn the hot spots down to pretty much 84 and then i do give a night drop where i turn it off for around you know eight o'clock it clicks back on around six in the morning that's always a little bit different i kind of don't keep it precise than that. I just make sure it's off, you know, eight to 10 hours mm-hmm. at nighttime. Um, I cycle the male in, I give the male 24 to 48 hours. I usually introduce the male into the female's cage um, and just let them kind of go at it. If I see them being tense, I kind of let them fight through that. Cause I've had some in the past where I could tell they weren't psyched to see each other. They weren't attacking each other. I've never had anything like that, but female raising her tail, not in a good way, definitely aggravated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you could see the fear. Uh, I kind of monitor it a little bit. And every time I've had that happen where the female was extremely pissed off, she's always bred with that male. So I, something goes right. That's why I kind of don't pull them right away or don't change the pairing. I'll even, like I said, as she's getting frustrated, I don't want to pull the mail right away. I'll just cut it short to a few hours until maybe yeah. I see her come around a little bit more. Uh, just just to not stress the female and possibly the male from going like, what the hell is this thing doing to me over here? <laughs> it looks like it's trying <laughs> to kill me. But um, uh, 
I should say before that, uh, before I even do mix them, going into the last couple months before I cycle them, I do feed all year. I, I feed them all year long. They get smaller meals once they start breeding, males and females, and they both continue eating. Once in a while, males will will turn off into the late uh, into the late breeding season. What's late for me is like January. They kind of get their business done pretty fast. I generally have all the males pulled and done by March 1st, unless I'm really trying to, I mean, I'll keep them going if I don't see anything, but usually by mid-March, I pull the plug on everything because if I don't see it happening, it's it's just not going to happen. But um, I keep offering food, but it's usually small meals. And uh, before the season, before I start mixing them, I throw the females a couple bigger meals for the last couple weeks and even the males to pack on a little bit just in case. But yeah, just keep them cycling in the mail. I usually, I generally don't use, I use generally use one male to two females at the most. I have done three and had success, but I don't like, I don't like doing that anyway. I generally like to spread my males around. I keep, I hold back a lot of males. It's just sometimes with the oscillate stuff, that's the only time I've got into that because I really trying to work it out and, and see what it does out of interest. And, and figure it out. That's been my only reason to really throw one male to, to three females as of recently. Usually it's always one to one, one to two. Right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, should I just continue on from there what I usually see? Or <laughs> I can yeah, just, I, mean, I don't have yeah. like, do they? Yeah. I'm right here. There's, um, is there like any kind of like a, uh, I don't know. With, with the way these guys act, if you try to pick them up, is there any kind of like gruff? Like, do you see the female and the male kind of like throw each other around the bin a little bit? Because no. it almost seems like if I, if I have a pissed off one, they kind of don't seem to want to <laughs> do that flippy stuff. I don't know. So. <laughs> now, um, they generally just, when they don't want to breathe, they generally, you'll see corner to corner. You know, they don't, mm-hmm. or, or when the female is done with the male, uh, you'll see the female throws herself in a corner as far away. And I guess she gives some sort of signs when they're all, if I see copulations and then all of a sudden they're just corner to corner, I, mm-hmm. I I'll still go a few more times, but I figure they're, they're done. I, I I've never really seen too much of me popping my head in and they were two times, you know, in that week I'd read them and they were in opposite corners or as far away from each other as possible, but they started connecting again. It usually means that the job is done. And then I start looking for the female uh, to get, you know, I generally don't go by look, although sometimes the look is most of the time, the looks very obvious. I start seeing yeah. the belly when the belly gets, it gets this squared feeling. I mean, short tails have such gigantic bellies when they're <laughs> breeding size, the scales are so mushy but they get this squared feeling on the bottom and they just start getting tighter and tighter. And uh, sometimes you think, oh man, that's ovulation. I mean, like you think that's as far as it'll go. And then you'll go in a couple of days later and it's just rock solid. And they generally, they'll cur- their, their, their body will curl and go to the side. And it looks like they can't even bend their tail, which I don't even know if they can. That's how tight they get sometimes. And ovulations can get so big. I'm showing everybody a pretty good picture because people were asking at carpet fest. And he had a pretty good picture, I think, of his granite, uh, a really right. solid ovulation of just that tail kind of in that curled position where it ain't moving it and it looks like it swallowed. It really looks like it swallowed a football. You know, short tails are almost, when they're adults, the size of a, a, the width of a football. 
and it looks like it just ate like a jumbo football, I guess you could say. Jeez. So it's 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 crazy. Wow. Yeah, and then just just like most pythons, you you, you see the ovulation. 15, 20 days later, they go into their prelay shed, then you start counting down to the 30, and, and usually with, within 25, 35 days, they, they start dropping eggs. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that's just standard. Well, what about, uh, I mean, like uh, pre-ovulation, uh, post-ovulation, we're talking about temps. Do you have to worry about, are you giving them a hot spot at that point, or the temperatures? Um, Your room back up is normal? Another great sign if you don't see the the female and the male copulating or anything like that is Borneo's uh, red bloods, Sumatran short tails, all to to my knowledge, especially Borneo's in my opinion, they generally, even with a hot spot, they're never on the heat. All year long, they're just never on the heat. Even after a big meal, they're generally always on the cool side. it's very rare to find them. If they are on their heat, they're like stretched out, but they're not. You could tell, you know, when an animal's on their heat, they're quilled up or, you know, trying to be on there. Females, that is the only time you'll really find the females on heat is when they're starting to ovulate or they're gravid. They just, you'll just see them all quilled up on that heat, laying all pretzel like and <laughs> odd ways. But uh, that, that's a great sign. If I see my girls laying on heat, uh, for more than a few days, I will boost the, the hot spot up to back to 86 usually. If, if they're if they're wandering off of it or kind of mellowing off it, I, I'll I'll turn it back down. But usually 86 is, is pretty good. Um, sometimes I don't touch it. it. It all depends on the mood I'm in, really. And it looks like they're doing good, and I feel like the rooms, in, you know, everything's in good condition. I kind of keep it. It's always like I said, between 84 and 86. I don't turn it up any higher than that. Um, but yeah, that, they, that's, that's they're generally like I said. Do, do they best belly up? I mean, Borneos when they're full gravid. They, my, I, I haven't had much experience with that. Once in a while, I've seen I see pictures of it, but mine don't. They kind of lay, like I said, really odd ways. Like for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just weird to see them all pretzeled up. You know, usually they just coil in a circle, but they go like pretzel like, and they'll throw their tail through weird loops. But uh, I generally don't see the upside down stuff. Hmm. Uh, I I know what you're talking about. I, I, I the year I bred my recheck. I mean, she's already yeah. she's a super tiger, so she kind of already has like no side pattern. But man, she would just lay completely upside down, and I would completely be like, up, oh, yeah. she's dead. <laughs> I would yeah. panic. I was like, I would know it's that time of the year, but I'm like, there's no way she could be completely upside down like that. So I, I'm not used <laughs> to it, obviously. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just yeah, figuring because they're such heavy-bodied snakes, maybe they don't do it because yeah. everything's low to the ground. I don't know. So. Yeah, if they do it, I'm more, I'm more adjusted to seeing them sometimes more like not upside down, but more side. Like they're trying to get their whole body on the on their side mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of upside down. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. And uh, basically, I would say probably after that, it's just your standard python breeding, you know. Uh, Stick the eggs in the hot uh, pot and call it a day. Yeah. 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 Well, the, well, then you can talk about the interesting part that a lot of people don't know. Even when they buy them, they don't know that 
when you get a hatchling Borneo, when they do hatch, it takes them generally two to four months to shed have their first shed. What? So you don't want to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to group them together and wait for them to shed like your typical python and and then separate them. You want to, what I usually do is I get the whole clutch. They're together for about a day when they're all out, uh, still in the incubator. And then the ne- after after one full day of them all being together in the incubator, I just start separating them into separate homes because it takes, and then I generally feed, I start my feeding trials, I'd say 12, uh, 16 days, something, some weird number. I usually wait about two weeks to start to, to offer them their first meal. Mm-hmm. But yes, they do not shed for two to four months. It, Sometimes they just shed quick naturally. Uh, sometimes it's longer because they're slow starters and they didn't really hit that size yet to shed. So I've seen some, I've seen some go five, six months if they were slow starters or finicky eaters. But generally, the fastest I've seen was like two months. I don't think I've ever seen anything go before 60 days. And typically for me, it's about three months to see them all shed. And when, And while they're in shed, for Borneos, at least, for the most part, even when I, for the reds I've had too, they need to be kept pretty damp and moist. I basically put them on newspaper. I run the water into the box. I dump the box out of all like the remaining water and then just put their water bowl and hide box in and keep them like that. And uh, they need to be kept like that. If not, they will shrivel and look terrible and just seem like they can't move because they really just can't move from being so dry. <clears throat> So now yeah, once, thing... yeah, once that first shed is out, you, you can keep them normal. <laughs> you okay. keep them just on regular newspaper and it's all good. Yeah. So now like, I know it takes, uh, you, you kind of warned me when I got my, um, blood is that, uh, don't be worried if it doesn't, you know, go to the bathroom in like a month and a half. It's okay. Um, is that the same thing with the babies? It's just like, they won't defecate for, months on end even though they're really tiny guys you go a lot they'll just they're at the stage oh, oh, where the babies anytime, are like every day <laughs> yeah now they're they're generally at the stage where once you pop your head in there they're freaked out like almost nine out of ten times as soon even calm ones for the most part i'll notice as soon as you pick them up they're they're generally like their their hemi peens or, or their parts are just shot out anyway <laughs> kind That's of so awesome. for the first for the first initial second and, but it's only a little bit, it's not a lot. And I'd say once, like I said, once they get that first shed, they start calming down around that point, getting to realize you're not trying to kill them or eat them. And they, they don't hold on to the bathroom quite as long when they're not little, but they, as they start getting bigger and bigger, they start holding on to, to their bathroom more and more. I, I'll say that's another weird thing with the, with the three different species. Um, Reds, in my opinion, go a lot more frequent. Uh, Borneo seem to hold on to it the longest. Now, like I said, I had the least amount of experience with Sumatran shorttails, but when I had my group and had them for a while, they were kind of in the middle. They would kind of be on, on a schedule of, like, my adults and sub-adults every two months. But, man, I've had, I've had Borneos just hold it for six months, <laughs> seven months, you know, generally four months. And it was, it was pretty much a nightmare when uh, – with the move last year because they were going, I just wasn't used to it. I'm going in adult cages and I'm cleaning them every, 
at least twice every week where I was literally changing the paper at my old house because the paper was just getting so crumbled from being old. Like it would yellow from, from being old and not <laughs> going or anything. I was like, it just wow. looked ugly. I would change it. And that's usually when I would get in trouble because the new paper would bring them to go, oh, I'll pee now. So <laughs> we'll just pee a ton. Yeah. But, but, my, but reds, not, not with pooping as much for me. Now that I got, I got a decent number of red nails, but they will, they will go pee a lot more and they'll sit in their, you know, not sit in their pee, but they just pee a lot more frequent. They still yeah. poop, you know, once every two, three months, I guess, if not a little longer. But they definitely like to, to pee and shoot a couple of urates out every once in a while. Yeah, it's a, it's like a flood. Yeah, oh, yeah. an inch and a half in there. Yeah, it's it's just it's you know it's just you never expect it, and it's you know it's funny because uh, at Hamburg because my table at Hamburg is always like is a couple tables down from you, and it's like you're always like scrubbing up the cleaning the uh, tops of your acrylics because somebody holds a baby and they just shoot all over the acrylics. So you're always like scrubbing. <laughs> yeah. You're always cleaning the acrylics after the show. It's like okay, so yeah. Well, you you, you know maybe, maybe that's a reason why maybe breeders have worse experience with them going to the bathroom because I don't think many breeders hold on to their animals quite as much as people that are kind of new mm-hmm. or have a couple. I think the key to them going to the bathroom is if you handle them more. You know, generally if I do get one that's being stubborn, I'll try to handle a lot more. And sometimes they've just been around so long, they're just like, nah, I'm not letting it go. You can handle me all you want. <laughs> and even <laughs> even bring them to shows sometimes, they're still just buckling down, like I'm not letting go. But if you, generally, if you take it to a show or a car ride or bring it upstairs in a foreign territory, or like I said, if it's been a while, just change the paper, even if it's clean, because that, that triggers it sometimes. Because it definitely is a question that makes a lot of people nervous. And um mm-hmm. Another thing to add to it is, you know, I know they're big bodied snakes, so people think they can throw a huge meal down them. And I, I haven't run into the problem that much in my younger days, but I would generally feed more jumbos and more larges. I never did rabbits or guinea pigs or anything for them, but, you know, I'd have some that could easily handle a jumbo. And that's what they would get every week or two weeks or 10 days. And I'd have problems with prolapsing not not nearly as much because they would just get a big big urate and that's the reason why they weren't going to the bathroom is because they had a blockage and finally when they would go you'd have everything hanging out and you know it it, it would be a nightmare so just because they're big bodied snakes doesn't mean you should go throwing rabbits down them guinea pigs down them i generally I got one. I got some of my older ones. Like I said, I keep stuff down in size now. But some of my 2005s and sixes and, and 04 stuff is the females are you know five plus feet, hanging between 18, maybe even 20 pounds, and they could easily handle a jumbo. But they still just get mediums weekly or mediums every two weeks. I kind of just maintain them. Generally, when they lay. They're like flat tires. Once they lay, they give a big effort. They might see it, you know, the ones that can handle jumbos, see a jumbo, like, you know, two to three jumbos for the first couple meals, and then I'll knock it down the larges, and then before you know it, I, I got them back on medium within, you know, two months, and they're kind of getting conditioned, and they look like they're getting their weight back on again. But uh, I won't just go jamming big meals in them or constantly laying jumbos or larges on them. Yeah, if, if if anything, even if it's a big animal, I'd say do mediums 
once a week if, if that's what makes you comfortable. If you feel like they need a lot of food or, you, or you're that kind Uh-oh. of person, rather than do rather than do larges or jumbos all the time. Wow, you've been you've been doing jumbos, I know, but you, I, I, you're your size refuse, animal. I refuse to answer these questions. I'm not going to say it's a terrible thing. I mean, it, it's going to make them obese and all that stuff. But I mean, I, I just, I mostly switched my habits because I'm trying to keep animals down in size because I like doing a lot of animals. I like to breed a lot and I don't want the mm-hmm. huge number of clutches. And uh, I don't want know. the problems of prolapsing. I didn't have a lot of it back then, but I definitely would see, you know, a few every year. And I had good luck with prolapse and I generally got them back to health and they would breed fine. But man, is it a nightmare? It's just so much mm-hmm. stress. I can't imagine. It's so much stress on me. I can't imagine what it feels like to them. You know, just mm-hmm. wondering if that's going to suck back in. Because if it mm-hmm. doesn't, that generally leads to death. You know, so it's it's just it would stink. Yeah. Here I figured if I made her fat, she'd slow down, and I could easily handle her. <laughs> but you know, no, it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm going to get a real prize of an animal pretty soon. I know that. I'm going to have oh, me, angry me your favorite, on my hand. Yeah, yeah. Just every time you look at her, just 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 keep thinking about her genetics. Okay, it'll be all right. It's a, it's a good thing that's a lily matrix. Yeah, because if not, I don't know, man. I don't know how you take that on. It, it'll be all right. It'll be cool. She's she's beautiful, yeah. by the way. Yeah, she's, uh, really she's a bit fire. Yeah, she's awesome. I've been drooling over lily matrix red bloods for a while, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to get it. But. I'm going to have some and work on that, my hands of... Uh, the hell am I the one? <laughs> I don't understand how that happened. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Owen's like, I, I'm going to try this. No, I'm yeah, gonna try this. Oh, my God, it's a horrible trip. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, going to do my best... I'm, I'm going to do my best to get some T-negatives in his hand. T-negative red blood, because that's what Ooh. he likes. And oh, have yeah. them nice. So he has a whole different spin on, on bloods. And then we'll see where he goes from there. Because his first experience, he kind of went on that on a whim, and he just made it extremely nasty. So we'll we'll see yeah, what happens when we get him some some good ones. It comes from me calling it a slug every other day. I mean, you know, he'll he'll be trade he'll be trading all of his bows for blood pretty soon. Every single one. <laughs> the eight that I have, eight. I don't know how many I have. Yeah. Eight. <laughs> I heard 80. That's all. I didn't hear 8. I heard 80. Oh, God, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's along the lines of it. Uh, so That's cool. So is there, uh, before we uh, before we jump off, is there any other things that uh, maybe misconceptions or uh, things that you would put out there if somebody wanted to get into uh, short tails? Oh, I don't know. There's probably a number of things that I could just talk about things for Mostly, that's the one good thing about Facebook is you can go on about subjects you haven't thought about in forever, I guess. Like, uh, you know, every day it's, um, are these really that mean? And, and, and they're not. That's a big misconception. They're not really that mean. As babies, is the, that is the best time to get them, but it's also their meanest point. They're afraid of everything. The, the good news is when you get a baby, they can't do a lot of damage. I mean, it, it is. I understand that someone who's afraid to get bit, they're seeing that thing jump around and flail around. It's going to scare them and, and, and all that stuff. 
but I just think, like I said, I don't like to steer anybody away from any kind of snake. There's just a lot of snakes out there that since ball pythons are kind of on the de- decline, that people are looking to get into stuff like short tails and carpets and these kind of animals. And they're very worried about bites. And I just think if you're that worried about bites, you're really going to be pigeonholed into just keeping ball pythons because I don't like to steer people into short tails or puppy dogs. They've, you know, they're, they're, they're so sweet and they're so nice. Like, don't get me wrong. I have most of my stuff down there is great. It's very trustworthy. Even the stuff that doesn't bite, some of it's just not, you know, super mellow. They kind of move fast, but like I said, most of my stuff down there, I can hand to anybody and they'll, you know, they'll change their mind on the, the attitude of them. But I don't like to give people the false hope of it's so nice because they are temperamental snakes. I've had ones that have been great for three years, have their week where they just don't want to be messed with. And I mean, by not wanting to be messed with, not just like, oh, I'm going to bite you like freaking out. <laughs> and when a, when a big adult, not even a big one, just a sub-adult short tail freaks out, it can be pretty intimidating. They really throw their bodies around. They, 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 they're fast. And I just think, you know, if you're terrified of getting bit by a snake and you're really worried about it, it's just not the snake for you to keep. And, and I think you guys can agree with like carpets. Carpets have come a long way and everyone thinks they're terrible, nasty biters, but they have their mm-hmm. moments and the way they, they can move or just, you know, certain times, obviously at night, they, they use you guys. I've been in Eric's room at nighttime and he says they kind of act totally different in the daytime because they're all hungry. Mm-hmm. New yeah. people don't realize that, and they just are terrified of it. You know what I mean? They they can be terrified of it. So, and I'm sure you've had nice ones. I don't I don't know because I don't have many carpets, and I haven't had them for long. I'm sure you guys had some ones that were very mellow, just kind of turn around out of nowhere and, and have their moment or get pissed off or freaked out. I guess you know. Uh, I, it I'm, was, I'm not sure. Some of my worst ones is when you when you don't know they're sleeping, and you go in to pull them out of the cage, and it's always this. It's always one that you always can go in and grab. But that one day you go in and grab them and they're sleeping and they wake up and whip around and just decide to nail you. Those are yeah. the worst ones. And those are always the ones that happen to me because I'm I never freaking learn. So <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but, but yeah, but, the, it, it can I, happen. Yeah, and like I said, I guess that's one of the misconceptions. I hate when people call them like bloodthirsty monsters. But I also am not really into the whole they are they are the sweetest things in the world because I've been dealing with a lot of Borneos for, for you know, a, a long time now. And like I said, I've seen some ones that have been great forever, just turn around and get nasty. And keeping them and knowing what they're capable of, I've seen some just lose their mind where they're fine and a couple of days later, just freak out where they're just started and crashing. I mean, you close the tub. And you walk away. They're, you're not. They can't see you. And you could just hear. Duh, duh, duh. They're just. They're kind of going crazy in there. And you, <laughs> you're like, what the hell, you know? And um, I just think a person that gets like lulled into, oh, you know, someone told me these are the sweetest things, and they actually get a nice one, and it does that, that they're just going to be as quick as they can sell it or stop taking care of it, you know? Right. There's just. I think there's just going to be some species out there where, like I. I, I, I'm saying it over and over again, but bloods and short tails can be some of some of them can be nice puppy dog animals. But there's just gonna you might get a couple, and that one is a devil, and you're just worried about what they can all do that. So let's get rid of them all. You know, I, 
I just don't want to see people not take care of it. And I just think there's species out there that if you're terrified of getting bit, you're that worried about it. There's just some things that maybe you shouldn't have. So kind of not really just a misconception, just kind of my own personal opinion to some people getting into it. And like I said, some of them people that are terrified might get bit and realize it's not so bad and, and it's changed their mind. So, you know, that that's just one thing. <laughs> That I that I see a lot lately, and it bothers me. Yeah, I would. Don't you think though that I mean, if you're going to have pythons in general, you you got you got to understand that they're probably going to bite you at some point. You're going to take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it's funny because I I've, I've been bitten the most in my collection from ball pythons, probably from more likely just carelessness. Someone's, you know, I'm more on point when I'm doing any of my other stuff. But ball pythons is the one thing that if my son's in my room or anyone's in my room or there's something going on, I'll look away and then I just get nailed. Yeah. <laughs> I get nailed the most by them. And mine are, you know, ball pythons are supposed to be the, the nice, nice animal. Well, mine just aren't. They're, they always hiss, they're jumpy, you know, they're they're kind of high strung. So, but I do know ball pythons, you know, I've had them. And they're they're nice, and even the ones that are somewhat mean are just they're just easy. You just all you gotta do is not be in front of them, and they stop swinging at you. Where other snakes <laughs> will chase you. Other snakes, you, you know what I mean. Other snakes chase you, and they're, yeah. they're relentless. Where these are just like, oh, if you're not in front of me, I got nothing to do. Oh, you're in front of me, I swing. You know, and it's like a it's step, like a real half ass right swing. Defeated. Yeah, yeah, it, it's mean, like a half ass swing, and then they generally mm-hmm. after one or two. Then they go into their ball mode if they're mean. They just, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm gonna ball up now, you know. So, <laughs> where, where if the it is funny that, off, it follows you. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that that too. But it's just funny when people come to my table and they go, "Well, I have ball pythons. How will I do with these? I heard they're so mean." And it's just funny when I think about it. Like I've been nailed by so many ball pythons, and I rarely ever get hit by bloods or, or short tails, you know. It's it's pretty crazy in that way, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I, I I get it. But they do more likely poop on you and pee. So if you don't like that either, I never see that question. Do they poop and pee on you? Because they'll do that too when they're angry. So, but I guess people yeah. don't care yeah, about that will. much. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> I hate that thing. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like. You guys are all going to be at the show, and I'm bringing some of my 2015 stuff. You'll see that it has, it's not going to be swimming in water, but I dripped, you know, a good amount of water in there to keep them from shriveling up because they are weeks out of the egg and they started eating and they're ready to be sold, some of them. But if they're dry, they'll crumble up. So you'll see the, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about by when you got to bring them to a show. It's generally good to wait till they shed if that's what you like to do or if you, you know, want to move some. That you got to use the water thing, because <laughs> like uh, wow, pretty much if you ever have you ever seen Keith McPeaks at a show and anything that his, he keeps his babies just in a little bit of water. That's how he does it till they shed. He don't even put paper in there, or he does sphagnum moss for some of them. But that's what I do at my tough feeders. I go with sphagnum moss instead of paper or or cypress mulch. But I just wanted to bring that up because I was I was just thinking about it. You know, you're probably like oh. What the hell do you mean water? So you'll you'll see when at the show. I think Eric's seen, but I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't really been paying attention to your table too much. 
I've no. been, usually I have my own, but this time I get to look at your stuff. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. You'll probably be over there trying to chase people away from my table because everyone's afraid. I will. Of you, I'll so. be these will all be mine. Like, oh yeah, done. <laughs> that's what I want. I want Owen talking to me the whole time, so everyone goes, I'm, "I don't." That guy's scary. I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah, scary. Shit. Oh yeah, chase everyone away from your table. Great. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder I didn't sell anything when I did Hamburg. Yeah, you're, you're quite. You. Owen's like yeah. Owen's like natural repellent. Like people are like, "Oh man, that guy. He's scary." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I have my uses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Uh, well, that's that's cool. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll probably get. Yeah, we'll probably be getting cut off soon. Um, but uh, I guess we'll throw out uh, your info and uh, how people can get in touch with you. Also, like you said, you'll be at Hamburg this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll be there, and I will have. I won't have a ton of my 2015 stuff. I will. I'm only kind of bringing genetic stripes and maybe some normals. All the other stuff will be online eventually. I got to pick my holdbacks, and there's people, and I got to get it around to first. You know, the most people know the drill, and then it'll be available. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully sooner than later, and then stuff will get added. That stuff starts to eat more, and all that other fun stuff. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, I guess your Facebook page is really the best spot to uh, check out what you got going on. Yeah, I have my own personal page, which I throw some snake pictures up. But really, the best thing for all updates and my snake pictures is my. Philly Herpeticulture Facebook page. I'm pretty sure if you're on Facebook and you just type in Philly Herpeticulture, that should come up. I don't really know. You know, I guess it's Facebook backslash Philly Herpeticulture if you're looking to type it in. Um, my website, I just checked it. I didn't even realize it is down. I, it was all butchered anyway. I'm going to eventually, uh, probably soon, try to get off my ass and, and update it, do something about it. Not, not many people really visit websites, but I do want a website just kind of for pictures and to point people in the right direction to email me or <laughs> this, that, or the other thing. But, you know, I'm pretty sure it's all the way down. My, it, it comes up, but it says under construction, I think. And, I uh, yeah, besides that, oh, was it on? Yeah, I got, I got it on. It oh, all right. I don't know. Then one yeah. day it didn't work when I, when I randomly checked it. Well, either way, that is very old. I don't think I've updated anything on there since 2013. So just like most of the other reptile websites out there, besides Eric, and he's he's very high end. He keeps his very close. Yeah, too high end, dear Lord, yes. Yeah, most most uh, of us other dinosaurs have our websites that haven't been touched in three or four years, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, Facebook has kind of taken over that that whole realm. It's just too easy to update. I mean, it's so hard to update your uh, website. Yeah, I can't do it. At least I don't know how the hell you it's do it. It's annoying. Yeah. Well, I think that the people that I use is just, it's very simple, you know. And well, then I'm going to come over and you're giving me a class to figure out the people you use so I can figure it out myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you got you to gotta make it easy to do and then you'll mm-hmm. do it. Otherwise, you won't do it, you know. It's just, yeah. It's but, uh, no, yeah, 
Yeah, it pops up, and then if you click on uh, Borneo's, it takes you over to, I guess, your, like, 2013. Uh, okay. Yeah, to, funny. It's just it's embarrassing. You're telling me that my website works. I'm telling people it's down and crashed. Or <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I have oh, one. It's on cool. my business card. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's pretty old, and it's just kind of it's a free website, so I gotta. I'm gonna put some money into it eventually. I've, if I sell some of these Borneos this year, I'm gonna put some money into a website that five or ten people will look at a year, but it'll be worth it. So. Um, <laughs> The, the cool but, thing is, is that you can go there and you can kind of look at the uh, the pictures of some of the stuff that we were talking about tonight. You know, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of all I want. I don't want to try to make an available thing because it's too hard to pull and put up stuff. I kind of just want to have nice pictures. Maybe you click on uh, like you know the different Borneo genetics and you get a good sampling of the pictures and and all that stuff. So hopefully, I'll be able to work something out in that type of way. I think I'm just going to base it off of Borneo's and, and tell what else I'm working with. I don't think I'm going to put any anything else on there. So the the cool thing about the uh, the people that I use is uh, you can do this thing where it's called a a store and you create a store, but you connect your Facebook page to it. So anytime I update my website with anything that I'm adding to the store, it automatically adds that same thing to uh, to my Facebook page. Um, and oh, see, that'll work out. Top, that sounds good. Yeah, you look at the top banner of, like, a Facebook business page, you can sort of pick and choose what you want. Like, you can put photos about, you know, uh, I think it might say videos. But you can put up there a store, and then they can click on it, and then it will just be a fa- – it will be the same thing that's on your website. All the info is transferred over. You can even the PayPal set up that they can PayPal right from from that. So it works out pretty well. Too bad I don't sell any snakes. <laughs> yeah, too bad you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say I asked for your available stuff like months ago. You're like, yeah, I'll get right on that, and probably yeah, yeah. everything. So yeah, yeah. That's he's lazy. It's because he holds everything back. I, I've been mm-hmm. accused of holding too much back, and I don't hold nearly as much back as you do. You yeah. have to have something he wants, and then he doesn't leave you alone. And that's when you start seeing the stuff he has available. Even then, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 when he finds women. something. Yeah, 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 when you find something. Uh, I see his mm-hmm. game. Yeah, that's true. Well, but, you uh, have albinos, and you can give up. Tiger said albino. I'm like, no, I'm not going to give that nope. up. Try again. <laughs> Next, I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> <So>. One day. <laughs> So, okay. So, uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Matt, uh, just basically give you a message on Facebook off your page, or you got an email. Yeah, you can mess- yeah message me on message me on Facebook, or you could just email me direct at skdmatt at comcast dot net. F as in Frank, K as in kite, D as in dog. My name. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the phone with like Comcast Cable doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, like I said, I am at general. I am at every Hamburg, and um, as last year, I will be doing Tinley with you guys. Uh, I'm sure, we're all doing Tinley again. I plan on it. So yeah, oh yeah, the yeah. October Tinley show, and I really hope to try to expand and do some other shows. I don't know which ones that's going to be, but hopefully, I expand out and try to go to some different places I don't generally go. So we'll see what happens. Take you to White Plains or something like that. 
So. Uh, I would like to. I'm on. I, I can never get in there, and it's just difficult. But either way, mm-hmm. I, I would like to do White Plains, but it's really not getting to another. You know, it's kind of the same people <laughs> as Hamburg. <laughs> I, I would like to. I I really like that little Myrtle Beach show that they had going on, even though people didn't uh, yeah, do it. But I did pretty well. I did well, and even if I didn't do well, I got to. You know, it's just different people down there. So I'd like to try mm-hmm. to. You know. I don't think I'll be doing any more Daytonas. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever do them anymore, but something down maybe South Carolina or that area. Hopefully I can find a, a decent show that's worth the drive up there. And, you know, it's not even about selling. Just as long as there's people to the door and I can have some conversations and maybe make enough money for gas. That's, that's really that's really the goal. <laughs> if you can sell a couple <laughs> extra steaks to buy some, to go to a fancier restaurant while you're staying in the weekend, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, to go on Applebee's, maybe go to Carabas if I sell a snake. You know, who knows? <laughs> oh man, we're getting appetizers! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> oh, don't, don't get me started on Carabas. I love some Carabas. <laughs> uh, if we get gift cards uh, from Carabas, we're gonna be happy. People yeah. in Australia are I don't, saying, "What the hell is a Carabas?" What the hell are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we could be talking about Outback Steakhouse, and they'll be confused. And never... <laughs> you know how many times we mentioned Wawa on this program? And people have uh, no idea what well, we're everybody's talking confused. about. Everybody's confused. Exactly. Except if you're, Everyone. If you're in Pennsylvania, Jersey, or Delaware, everybody's confused. What Andy, the hell is Wawa? Uh, Andy, who flew in from Texas for Carbifest, he goes, I was kind of hoping we could stop at a Wawa, because I keep hearing about it. I'm like, it's a mystery uh, place, yeah. but unfortunately, no, there aren't any around here. It's funny how we part of Pennsylvania that doesn't have a Wawa, Owen. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, didn't, I couldn't see any. There's a Wawa by 422, and then but the problem is that I'm right in the, I'm right in that special place where Wawa meets Sheets. So like there's a Sheets over there and there's a Wawa over there. Okay, so I know where they are. It's it, it's just funny how people from out of town. I mean, we take it for granted. It's probably it yeah, is a great here. thing, but we're like. Wow, you know, oh, it's, it's 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 awesome when you're it's there when you're drunk and it's four in the morning and you need a, a, a okay hoagie. But people from out of town are like, oh, this is the you're like Ellen said, this is a magical place. Oh my goodness, <laughs> mystical magical place. How have I lived without this forever? You know, it's just like, oh yeah, they're on every corner in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think the first was it the first. Carpet Fest, or it was Tinley. It was Carpet Fest, and it was the one where Dave Kelly came to. Mm-hmm. And me and Zach took him to a Wawa, and he was like, "This is just the greatest thing ever!" Oh my god, You're damn right <laughs> it is. Like, he's just like, "What? I can't. Uh, what? What? I can get what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, just get down." You know, he's like, <laughs> "I literally, I literally." I literally go on Wawa for breakfast while I'm at work sometimes and walk around for 10 minutes and leave because I'm like, I just don't want anything from in there. I'm so sick of Wawa. <laughs> I, I've been on a, I've been on a, it's, it's so crazy. I've been on a 7-Eleven kick and 7-Eleven is not nearly as good as Wawa, but there's just different things there. I'm like, I'm going to 7-Eleven, you know? Right. So it's, it's just weird. Yeah. Uh, we do now that we, no. Yeah, we just, if there was any audience at all, we just killed them all with this wild wild talk. Like, I'm yeah, yeah, that was, no I don't even anymore. know the store. They're gone. You no, guys have talked. They've talked about water bowls, boas, and wild for too yeah, long. Yeah. 
I yeah, probably killed all your rating. If you yeah, whatever rating would have been on, I probably yeah. I just owned your whole show. I'm, I'm yeah, like propellant for the whole show. Been owned. That is not going to be a thing. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> on your own at a show. If they hear Matt Minatolo on the radio, they're they're running. They're like, this dude brings up Wawa, Philadelphia, Comcast, <laughs> Water Bowls, Fellas, <laughs> or a Python show. Yeah, yep. it's, it's getting ridiculous. Yep. Whole episode awesome. shot. Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I appreciate uh, the uh, the knowledge that you share with us tonight. Trying to. Uh, I guess maybe uh, make us a little bit closer to understanding how these uh, genetics work. Uh, it's pretty interesting when you come from most Python genetics, you know, pretty straightforward. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, it's hard to yeah. nail it down. It's crazy. But. Yeah, it, it's crazy. <laughs> you breed a crazy thing to a crazy thing, and you get a bunch of crazy things. And, that's uh, it. <laughs> that's how it's to be written in the book. That's how it. Mm-hmm. That's how it's got to be written in a book. Mm-hmm. Well, well, VPI is really supposed to be getting this book out. It seems like, and hopefully, they have some deep dark secrets that they know this stuff and can explain it better than I can. Because I'm just a tattooed bald guy from Philadelphia, and they're a lot smarter than me. So hopefully, they have some good writing in there <laughs> that breaks it down. And right. I'm glad you think I helped because I probably just confused more. And we didn't even uh, – I was all over the place and didn't hit on a lot of subjects. I wanted to, like, <laughs> run down the, the – I wanted to just not even talk about it, just run down the list of mutations for Borneos, and I didn't even get there. So it's, you'll have to have me on it next time. Of course. Can, yeah, absolutely. We can talk other about SEPTA and confuse people. We'll talk about SEPTA yep. and uh, other things. SEPTA and, and, and what a real cheesesteak is. And <laughs> out of order to cheesesteak. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want a 16 ounce water bowl as opposed to a seven ounce water bowl. That's, uh, we'll definitely hit water bowls. We'll hit real soft pretzels. Um, <laughs> how to pronounce water? Yeah, it's water. Yeah. We'll do it all. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Eric was taking pictures of all the water bowls at Reptiland. He goes, I had to send these back to Matt. I'm like. Really? All right, never mind. Go ahead. They they were probably some fancy water bowls, so you know mm-hmm. that's, that's they were they were high end, man. They got water bowls into the water bowls. <laughs> oh man, that I I can't even handle. That's like the scientific version of a water bowl show right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother level, man. Yeah. People, now level. people people really now have people are really talking about that. You should you should break them in on the inside joke because people are really just telling these dudes are drunk and yeah. something. There's not. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I basically we talking- I basically kid around on our message thing saying I'm going to come out with a water bowl talk show just like NPR. It's going to be awesome. It'll be way more popular. Yeah. And I'm going to take them out with my water bowl show. <laughs> yeah. Way back in the uh, a while back we were talking about doing. You know, I wanted to do this like kind of thing to where we mm-hmm. had like multiple uh, shows about different things, and that's and you wanted to do a show about water bowls. Nothing but water bowls. Like, <laughs> you know, but the funny thing is, but, is that that actually, I think the idea of doing like a show about equipment, you know, equipment and such mm-hmm. uh, is actually a really good idea. 
know. It might actually be happening. So yeah. we're stealing your idea. It, it could be. It could be a good idea. You call me when the Butter Bowl segment comes up because I'll be on. It's pretty funny how we geek out about, you know, like a water bowl, but it's true. You know, like, I remember how excited I was when I went to, uh, we have this place called, uh, 10 Jersey and they sell like, uh, restaurant supplies. And I went in there yeah. and they had like, this 12 pack of these like little souffle cups, which holds like a, uh, I guess it's like a six ounce, like it, like it's something that they would put ketchup in or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's perfect for baby carpets. And, I was like, oh, this is great. And, you know, I have like a little crockfish. You put in the insert, you take it out, you put in a new one, change of water is super easy. And uh, yeah. it, it was like the greatest thing, you know. I can't believe I found this. I got a 12-pack. It was only like 10 bucks, you know. That that, that could be a whole show on its own. That could be a whole show right there. Yeah. The, the, the stores that you wouldn't expect to find reptile supplies in, like, like you said, walking into a reptile supply. <laughs> Walking into a restaurant supply store, there's one near me. The first time I was in, I was like, "This is a reptile store." It's just like every tub. Um, stuff for, the stuff, the stuff I get my rats delivered in the breed, like the breeder tubs for they're bus, they're busboy pans. They're perfectly smooth. Mm-hmm. The rats can't bite through. There's bowls and hide spots all over the place. I basically my baby hides are just these little plastic fancy cups where you get like a 200 pack and they're cheap and I cut a hole in them and as they get messed up I just throw them away and cut a new hole and it works as a perfect baby hide spot <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy so like I said you could really have a whole show on other stores of where to get reptile supplies that you probably wouldn't think of or they just have a ton of it at that at that specific store besides obviously everybody saying Target or Walmart having tubs everybody knows that nowadays but you know, right. <laughs> then if you really want to go high end, you go to get the container store. Well, that's mm. oh, I don't even. I just walk right out of there. That's too. That's pricey stuff right there. Yeah, <laughs> class, those are classy, man. <laughs> it gets crazy in there. Oh, yeah. they, they they really don't. They don't know how like how much reptile stuff they really have in that store. <laughs> they must. Yeah. There has to be more than just like. You know, uh, the couple people that go in that they, they see like buying weird amounts of things that no one else buys, and they're probably like, "What the hell is this guy doing here? Why would anyone <laughs> come in and buy two hundred six quart tubs? I don't, I don't get it. With, with no lid, they don't want the lid. What, what are they doing with these things? Yeah. I was that guy. I did that once. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, yeah. Target always you used to ask, there. "Why don't you want the lids?" I'm like, "Ah, they're just more weight. I don't need lids." <laughs> The one time I got into it with a cashier and the person saying, why are you getting like 40, you know, shoes things? I, I said, I was going to go into it and say I've read snakes. And, and I was like, no, I just really like shoes, man. I, have a lot <laughs> yeah, of I like I like shoes. Yeah. And Meanwhile, I have like dirty sneakers on and they're like, oh, okay. Like, Bullshit. Yeah, I, actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually do collect sneakers. That's the funny part, but they're not in tubs. <laughs> you know how oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, that's the funny part. Yeah. So. All right. Now we've gotten completely off track. Ah, we're um, way off track now. People are getting in my guts right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is the end of the night, though. People are just ready to be done. You know, oh, good. Early show. These guys are being idiots now. They want us to be quiet. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They'll turn us yeah, off pretty, right now. Pretty much. I should. 
Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll wrap me up now because I'm I'm a distraction and I gotta wake up early tomorrow. So. Yeah, me too. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see you Saturday, Matt. And uh, yeah, I, thanks for coming I, on. And oh, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I was not nearly as uptight as I was the first ever time I was on here, but still probably pretty nervous. <laughs> I still didn't drink a few beers to loosen up. I should have should have had a few beers loosen up, but then who? I really don't know where the conversation would go if I was drinking a little bit. You know. <laughs> That's going to be the next episode. Oh, <laughs> the next time you're yeah. on, we're then I'll really do, confuse. Uh, then I'll really confuse people. Uh, exactly. We're going to play the NPR drinking game. Oh, uh, dude, you've got to you've got to do that one time though. I mean, not, we're not sa- we're, we're, though, but you guys. Have we're going to save it. For, we'll save it for uh, October, the anniversary Christmas show. No, do, we'll do, do it then. Do the Christmas yeah. show, yeah. Do, do the Christmas yeah. show. You definitely got to have Zach on drunk because he get bombed. Yeah, <laughs> some of the, uh, yeah. yeah. I love you, man. <laughs> you definitely got to yeah. Just have you got to have Zach on, Jamie on. <laughs> Uh, there's definitely a few other select people you got to have on for the drinking show. That gets show. silly out when he gets drunk, though. I mean, you know, he lets it fly. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, all right, fellas. Well, I really appreciate right. you having me on. Hopefully, I I, I uh, did something right. So we'll see. I think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Matt. Cool. All right, I'll be talking to you. All right, later on. See you. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. All right. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up. We'll head on out. Um, let's see. Uh, next week. Next week we have Jamie from Razor Sharp Reptile. There we go. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, I think we said this last time, that, but uh, Jamie is, well, is probably m- most well-known for his geckos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to be talking the... geckos. Don't worry. Yeah, no, Don't no, worry. calm down. It's okay. Do not change that <laughs> dial. So, um, we're going to be talking uh, about some of the, uh, I mean, he has some uh, some cool carpets and some other pythons and such that he works with. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious to talk to him about maybe his uh insights into the hobby because uh i'm curious to to see uh i don't know i could be wrong on this but it seems like maybe uh the leopard gecko market and stuff like that has kind of uh it's not the strongest that it's been and maybe he can add some insight i know we were talking about auctions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and uh, carpet fest and uh Mm -hmm. you know sure the guy has tons of knowledge when it comes to uh just reptiles in general so yeah and he's got a little bit of everything i know he has dominican red mountain boa olive pythons carpet pythons i know i think he has some liasis as well so yeah uh, yeah should be cool um Definitely. i did uh i did line up um people will know him as uh sloop uh or uh john Battaglia. Uh, oh, nice. He is the um, the main man when it comes to Gamma Line Diamond Jungle Jags. Uh, Hasn't been on for a while, so that's cool. Yeah, he was way back, way back in the beginning uh, of our days. Um, he's going to come on the 17th of uh, July. Just got confirmation cool. tonight. So uh, that's pretty cool. 
Um, and then the week after um, uh, Jamie, we have uh, Nick Mutton and Paul Harris coming on. Holy balls. Yeah. <laughs> that should be, a, should be an awesome episode. Uh, probably the two uh, most, uh, dare I say, influential or biggest carpet python breeders in the world. Well, I would say Paul definitely is. And I mm-hmm. Nick is probably one of the You wrote the, the book. Yeah. In yeah. The, you, uh, you wrote the book. Yeah. Yeah. So. What else can you say, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to say. So um, and then, uh, having the two between, of them on at once would be cool. So Yeah. In between there, um, we're going to have uh, Andy uh, Grossman on. He's going to be talking Antaresia. Nice. He he has some uh, some cool stuff uh, that he works with, and uh, you know, hit on that a little more. Um, some of the uh, you know ins and outs of breeding those guys and keeping those guys and getting the uh, the babies going and such. So some cool episodes uh, in the uh, in the wings uh, for sure, and um, I think probably sometime in August. Uh, Owen's going to have his own show again. No, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always uh, that's always a good time. Uh, let's right. see. I did get my uh, Carpet Fest, my Southwest Carpet Fest T-shirt in the mail, nice. which is uh, really nice. Um, and don't forget about those guys. Friday, six nineteen, eight o'clock. Uh, it is hosted by uh, Terrell and April. Uh, from Designer Exotics. It's at Prehistoric Pets. You can check out the Facebook page for more information. Southwest Carpet Fest. Um, we expect a ton of pictures, guys. A ton of goddamn pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to see some cool retics at Carpet Fest. I, I really do <laughs> want to see really, really cool retics. But, uh, you know, we do like, also have to figure out how to make the donation for what we raised, because I still have it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm waiting to hear those guys. I don't know uh, what goes on, but um, I'm Sweet. sure... I have rough-scale money. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we... Uh, I, I want to mention them all the time on the show, USR. Mm. Uh, if you're not a member, you should definitely go over and sign up. Uh, if you want to make a donation, you can make donations over there on the website as well. USARC.org. As far as us, Morelia Python Radio, uh, there's many ways you can uh, follow us, check us out. Um, you can go to our website, MoreliaPythonRadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com is how you can reach us. Uh, if you um, are a Twitter person, Morelia Python is how you would uh, find us. If you're a Facebook person, check out our Facebook page, Murray Place on Radio. And I think uh, that's it for that. As far as myself, Evie Morelia, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My website's uh, ebmorelia.com. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is eric at ebmorelia.com. And uh, I will be with Owen. Uh, and uh, Zach and Matt this Saturday at Hamburg. Um, 
So if there's something, I don't know, I don't really have anything up that's available, but uh, if there was something that you were interested in, let me know. I'll let you know if I have it, and I could bring it there uh, if you would like. Um, otherwise, uh, I should have stuff available real soon, uh, so stay tuned for that. And I guess if you'll be out at Hamburg, you will see you there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that take us out. All right. All right, so we got for me is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, it's a website full rogue. You can drop emails to me there, inquiries about babies, anything that we have for sale. Right now we're kind of at the bare bones of what we have for sale. Babies are hatching now, or we're waiting for them to have their first sheds. So it's going to take a little bit to so just kind of bear with us. More stuff will be ready probably in about a month or so. Um, I will be at Hamburg, but I will not be vending Hamburg. Uh, we do not have a table at Hamburg, but we're getting it back. So <laughs> I will be there. So if you do have something that you want to see or want to be delivered, contact me. It can be delivered free of charge to Hamburg. Otherwise, hang on until the August show, and I promise I'll have my table back by then, even if I have to cause a massive scene on Saturday. I will get my table back. <laughs> so, <laughs> One way or the other, right? Swear to God, I'm going to get my table back. Um, <laughs> so, so that's what we'll do. Um, other than that, uh, if you want to look up uh, Rogue Reptiles on Facebook, just uh, go through Facebook, search Rogue Reptiles, and uh, we'll pop right up when you see the black flag with the white snake that does. So uh, that's all I got, and that's all we got. So what we will say is thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody next week for some more Moralia Python radio. Good night. Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.